0: Intuition. You have to do a sound check.
1: Check, check, check. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah that's pretty good, I think. Okay. Kind of, like I said, forty episodes, you kind of establish it.
0: Sure. These are some sure. stickers. Uh, that's funny for my podcast, but. Did you have those made or did somebody give them to you or
1: Yeah, for my birthday. My friend Morgan is big into graphic design. Oh, so okay. Can, yeah, you can make that kind of stuff on the computer if you got a little creativity, which I kind of lack in that sort of thing. So, well, she but, she created that for me. Uh,
0: but you know, sometimes if you even have an idea of what you want and you can explain it to yeah, somebody Yeah, that's what I
1: had. Yeah. And
0: you know, a lot of times that's the your idea and your explanation on someone like hits it right spot on yeah it's exciting you know and that's exactly
1: what i wanted mm -hmm. you know like you said i was a little nervous because i was like you know if it's my creation i want to make sure i like i'm very particular about what i want and sure try to give her as much as i could i used to have a my original logo was like a, a real hot air balloon, okay. Like one they took a picture of in like in like the clouds and sure. stuff, and you know, I was like Morgan, like I want something like this, but I I, I kind of would prefer an animated version. I just like the animation sure. better. And she's like, yeah, I think I can do that. I was like, I don't know how you're gonna do it. It seems like pretty difficult. And she she said it took her like four or five hours to get, because each one of those she had to like change. The mm-hmm. height of and everything to make it look right but mm-hmm. yeah once she gave it to me i was like wow this is
0: yeah well, it, it's exactly what i imagined i remember being in high school probably my senior year i took an art, art class just probably to fill in they like with grandpa they didn't allow you to you know leave the premises you're at school you're at school and i didn't feel a need to have a bunch of different study halls, um, and there were some times when we would work at school to work off our tuition. Uh-huh. And um, a couple of the girls, did, a couple of the girls answered the switchboard. So sometimes they'd have to come in early in the morning and answer the switchboard, but some of them would do it during their lunch or in the afternoon if they had a study hall. They could go and do the switchboard if that was their job. And um, so I had senior year, I had this art class, and the art teacher was pretty good. She was, you know, we did different things. We did calligraphy. I don't know if that was a whole quarter or or a month or whatever, I don't even remember how we did things, but um, we did silk screening, and that was interesting because I ended up making the silk screen, uh, and I used it, and I bought stationery, and so I made stationery with it, and it was sort of fun. But I, that was the trouble with calligraphy. It was like, it was so exacting. If you made a mistake, you had to start all over again. If you were drawing a picture and you made a mistake, you might be able to, you know, fix it.
1: Work through it yeah. um,
0: uh, silk screening, too, you would do your whatever you were doing and what happens is you took this template and you would cut with an exacto knife it's a real sharp knife and you'd cut your pattern and then when you were gonna put that pattern on whatever if it was like mine was gonna be on paper a couple people did it on fabric and all that you're pressing ink through that so you couldn't screw it up if you had put in cut and cut too long you couldn't like tape it because it would it would jazz it up if you put the inks in it it would, it would make a mess it wouldn't be an exact you know, like imprint of what you wanted so I mean, it got to be you know nerve-wracking because you'd be trying to do it and you didn't want to make a mistake and I don't know at times I wasn't much into uh, you know watercolor what all that kind of stuff only because I didn't think I had that much of an imagination to do that. Yeah. I was better off like calligraphy. You could take an expression and and you know you learned all these different strokes and there was all these different they called them nibs it was the ends you put on the pens and everything. And so you could have it look could look like old English writing or more modern italic and it was interesting so but um I mean some of the kids I was in school with were really you know they could do it real fast real you know no mistakes and I'm struggling along because I was too much of a perfectionist and then it would it would be okay but it would almost get you in trouble Mm -hmm. because it's like no you got to get this done you can't (laughs) you can't just be so particular so I mean that was never going to be a career but it was an interesting thing to learn. So
1: Yeah. I guess for this episode I was thinking about it quite a bit cuz we had like I said we had your your husband on 20 episodes ago, mm-hmm. episode 26. Your your episode 46 and we talked a lot about you know some of his childhood stories, like you said, things, things that he remembered when he grew up. Grew, like grew up. Mm-hmm. I was thinking for you, maybe I was going to try something new, maybe kind of doing like a reverse chronological type thing where we start maybe today, mm-hmm. and things that are going on in your life today and oh, kind of sure. work back to maybe like your childhood. Yeah. So I guess like the first big question is is... Majority of my listeners are listeners like my age, kids in college who are just, they want to kind of know what other people are up to. They, they see a familiar name and they're like, yeah. oh, oh, this person. I guess, and we don't, I think you've you've lived a lot more years than we have and you've wow. seen a lot more things and you've had a lot more experiences. I think a big question that I have, like straight off the bat, just from the present day in your life is just like the whole, the whole aspect of retirement, like yeah how does it how does it feel to go working you know 30 40 years or whatever and to then just being done and you got all this free time how do you how do you yeah. feel that what does it feel like you know
0: Well, I I, um, I I've been retired it's 2023 so I've been retired since um, 2009 and I had over 30 years in at the phone company and I had different jobs at the phone company some of them were more exciting than others, um, but getting into the retirement business, it was sort of like one day you're working and the next day you're not. And I had a few people that, just act like you're on vacation. And I'm like, yeah, but I if when real, you're yeah. on vacation, you have to go back to work. Generally. Yeah, you know, you, what's know? Going you on, only right? you have a week, yeah. maybe two weeks. Um, you know, yeah, you can play that game a little bit and. I was not one of those people that was into a real strict schedule. I mean, I remember um, it probably was from me growing up too, but it was, I remember there were friends of mine and they are like, well, it's Monday when we're having this meal, and Tuesday we're having this meal, and Wednesday, we're, you know, Super and then fun, it, it's yeah. like, okay, what happens if the stove breaks down? You know, then you're, you know, you got a plan B. Um, I don't, I don't want to say I was always just flying by the seat of my pants, but there were, you know, many times it was like, yeah, I had a vague idea of how I wanted things to go. And there was times I really had planned things out well and they they might or might not work. But um, all of a sudden, here you are. One day you're working, the next day you're retired. And this, those first couple of days, it was like, yeah. It's like I, I was so happy I didn't have to get up and go to work. And especially it was... Springtime, and that was always. Um, you were. I was really interested in the weather because I was working outside. So it's like I'd look at the weather, and the next day it was going to be cold or whatever. I'm like, oh, I wish it wasn't going to be raining, or I wish it wasn't going to be snowing, or what have you. And um, I mean, you you can't can't stop it. It's going to happen. Right. Um, from working aspect, I mean, there were times that. Yeah, it could be snowing a foot of snow, and I might have had a situation where the workload took me to a inside job all day, so I didn't have to be out in the snow, and it was great. You know, it was bonus. Um, so now I'm retired, and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? This, this, and this, and I would, I would still act like I had to be at work because I would think, well, I'm going to try to get so much done in this time frame that I would have been at work and then at night I would still have other things I would want to do or go or whatever and then it got to the point where the days just sort of fly into each other and you don't even know what day it is then the the big joke was you're retired every day is Saturday and I'm like man not really no. but um, you know there there were less limitations if you will um but I didn't think that I would just not do something because I could do it tomorrow. I would always attempt to try to get something done every day. You know, I mean, whatever. Some of the things you didn't really want to do or the menial tasks or, you know, whether it was a uh, chore around the house or an appointment or something. Um, yeah, there were many, many opportunities. Let's go out for breakfast or let's meet friends for lunch or supper or whatever. Um, and the freedom to do things when other people were working that was a, that's a big bonus it's sort of like well you know that if you go to this place at this time it won't be busy cuz these people are all working and you right. know i'm not so but nowadays it's sort of crazy it seems like there's always traffic i really don't care what time of the day or night we're out driving around and there's it's like where, doesn't anybody work you know it's so at times, I wonder why why is everything so busy? Um, so, in any event, you know, being retired is it's nice. Um, i I just don't want to be one of these people that's just laying around watching TV all the time. I usually am, like I said, trying to to keep myself busy. And then there's other demands, like I had my own uh, health situation this spring, so, right. After I got out of the hospital, I was going for these therapies, and f- for a while I wasn't able to drive, so you know Tom would drive. Um, even my sister offered to drive, and I'd still go and do things, but I would still keep track of, you know, I need stuff at the grocery store. If I need to do laundry or whatever I was doing, I'd, you know, and have obviously have to keep track of all these appointments. And I think I did fairly well, considering, I mean... That whole outcome of that thing that I went through could have been a lot worse, so I can't I can't complain. Um, and there are times I'm thinking, and you know, when I was going to those therapies or going to these health things, I thought, yeah, I wonder if I could have done that job." You know, if, if I could have been in that profession. And there were other times I knew I couldn't have been in that profession, so I was I was fortunate. I guess when I well, was hired by the at the phone company, I, I started out, as a lot of women did, as an operator. Well, you know, people would say, oh, you're an operator. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm a good operator. And they'd laugh about it. And I worked in the department that was information or 411. And so I'd say, yeah, I miss information. And they'd look at me funny. Um, it was just a play on words. Um, but I... I was accurate in my job, and then I was in the situation when I was hired that they used to use big old paper telephone books, and they had to look up all that information on that. They were huge. We had a whole part of the state of Wisconsin, the whole area code at the time. And then um, they tr- they changed and they um, computerized it. When they computerized it, they had a few glitches early on. and Thankfully, they still had the paper records that we could use because one day all the computers went down. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) nowadays, if the computers go down, you know what happens? It's a big Mm -hmm. deal. I mean, got the goofy thing with the airplanes a couple weeks ago that Mm -hmm. they couldn't even safely fly anywhere. So there's something to be said about computers. I mean, yes, I like them. I Sadly, I, I rely on it a little too much sometimes. But other times, I mean, I'm, I'm still old school. I, I still have an address book, and I actually write down people's phone numbers. I don't always just store them on my cell phone or, you know, on program them into something. So I think I was mentioned that to you earlier. I could tell you all the phone numbers from all my siblings. If they have a, a landline, you know, things like that, that just they're stuck in my head. There are still numbers I remember from being an information operator, and that's really crazy, because that's <laughs> it's 1977 when I did that job. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it, and it was interesting to be in that situation. You know, I suppose for many people in many different uh, jobs in their lives, that they went through these changes from you know manual work to computerized work and some things they can't computerize some things you still have to do manually i mean you can't computerize digging a hole yeah you, right. you might be lucky to have a machine help you dig the hole now but you still have to physically do that work so there are times when i am astounded that people don't realize how many manual things, you know, used to be done. Now they just think, oh, you just push a button. Well, that doesn't always work that way. Yeah. So it's interesting in that respect. Um, but um, regarding my work at the phone company, so I was in an op- an operator services, and then I was in the second job um, that I trained. They allowed you to transfer to different departments, so the second job I transferred to was um, repair department and that was so I went from being a four one one operator to a six one one repair clerk. So people would dial three digits and they'd reach possibly me. And you would take Possibly re- you know, what do you Well, say because there's there were so many people at six one one that that was the repair department. They were all over the state of Wisconsin, if you think of, or actually all over the country. It was, you know, a three digit dial that you'd punch in and you'd get a repair person. And when you call locally, you'd get someone locally, um, but we, we, you know, you have to ask the customer information and be able to communicate that well, and you'd have to listen to what that customer would say. And sometimes they were so mad, and they, they, you couldn't take it personally. They were so angry that their phone line didn't work, and, mm-hmm. or that somebody knocked over the telephone pole in my front yard, and or whatever they were calling to complain about. But they would they would just be ranting and raving and you, you know, you couldn't respond to it as much as you'd like to tell them, you know, hey, I didn't do it. Um, You had to be polite, you had to get the information and get the problem taken care of and there were many times that, you know, you'd take the information and it would move on to the next person and when that problem didn't get taken care of and if that person called back and you had the misfortune of getting them a second time. You can only imagine how much more angry they were um, that their problem wasn't taken care of. But um, it, was a, it was a learning experience and it, it helped me to understand the second phase of the phone company. Because the first phase, when I was an Operator Services, it was just, that was information. That was all I was doing. The second part of it, I was engaged with the people that did the physical work, some of the technicians, you were talking to the people in the construction department, you were talking with the plant engineers who maybe designed all this telephone stuff. And then again, things got more um, computerized. So they went from having, you know, physical connections that they would make, and all of a sudden they're programming it into a computer. So the telephone pick up, the, you get the dial tone and you dial the number. Well, it didn't have to go through all these clicks and clacks and so all of a sudden, boom, it's through with a computer. You know, mm-hmm. So it, it was pretty slick that way. Um, from there I moved on to, to another job in the phone company. It was a data processing job. And that one was only as good as the data. I mean, it, if someone gave you the wrong information and you input it, you're gonna get an error and that was always that was like solving puzzles trying to find out what was causing this information not to flow through the system and all that kind of stuff and a lot of times it would just take phone calls um, maybe talking to the person that put the information in maybe not investigating if it's a wrong code and you can find the correct code and put it in and it works that's great but um, so each of those jobs I did about three years, and then the okay. last job I transferred to was as an outside technician, and there weren't real many women as outside technicians. Yeah, so you've told me that before. Yeah, yeah. so when I went for, they, they'd they send you on a job visit, and the phone company never used to put your first name, they'd put your first initial so then the person you were going to see didn't know you are a woman or a man. It was just your initial. Um, and they didn't have your birthday on there either. They it was sort of interesting that they were sort of uh, ahead of the game about non-discrimination.
1: Yeah. Um You think that was purposeful or Oh, it
0: was definitely purposeful. Yeah. And then and at times, I mean there were I was I was Astounded, some of the times, some of the people I would meet, especially when I was going for these um, like job visits for this outside job, and some of the the other coworkers that would be my coworkers, they were all you know great. You know, if if she can do the job, great. You know, they weren't going to treat me any better or worse than anybody else. They wanted someone who could pull their own weight. Um, some of the bosses were a little taken aback. And unfortunately, it, it's uh, maybe an age thing. Something else. So he, I had this one man. He could have been my father. He was that old. And not that he was old or anything. It's just that he's like, what do you want to do this job for? And I said, for the money. Because the money was so much better. Right. you know. And I, I remember getting a great pay raise. And uh, it was... It wasn't, a, it influenced me to do it, but I don't think I ever would have applied for or put myself through all the trouble of, of learning and doing all that if I didn't think I could do it. And it, you know, I had to go to pole climbing school. Well, when I was in pole climbing school, there was three women and one guy. So that was sort of freaky, you know. And they, they were from different parts of the city. Um, and the guy who was the, trainer or the teacher he had been a technician for years so it didn't phase him who was in there It's like if you can't climb the pole you're not going to fit past the class you're going to go back to your old job which was that was sort of a interesting thing if you transferred to a job and you didn't make it and they had a usually a six-month window so if you didn't make it you went back to your old job they had to take you back so you didn't get fired you didn't lose your job so that was sort of a good thing um, but I think anybody who ever moved from one job to another within the company always wanted to succeed because you may or may not want to go back to your old job. Right. You might not have liked your old job. You might not have liked the people you worked with. And so.
1: Was that the case for you, would you say? Like out of well, those four jobs, do you think that last one was your favorite? Or?
0: Well, I don't know if it was my favorite. It was the one I had to work the hardest at. And I was good at. at some things and I wasn't as strong uh, and I don't mean physically but I wasn't as good in some of the other things and um, they were also changes in the phone company at that time so the phone company used to take care of all the equipment meaning if you had a telephone at your house a technician would come out and bring you a new one well then it started changing where you could go buy your own telephones and they called that customer provided equipment so all of a sudden, we weren't fixing those old phones anymore. And the phone company was saying to the customers, well, you can either buy this phone or you can keep renting it from us. If you rent it from us, we'll replace it or repair it. But if you buy your own, then that, that's yours. And so most people just decided to buy their own phones. And so you used to be able to go to these like Seven Mile Fair or swap meets, and see hundreds of telephones. You know that if you wanted an old telephone, um, but there were—I mean, there were some folks old school that just kept running that phone. And it's like, man, for what you're paying for that phone every month, you could have bought ten of them. You know. Yeah. And things kept progressing. There was better phones. There was, you know, everything was. Well, some things were getting better. Uh, everything was was changing. Um, so it was just another change I saw within the phone company. Um, but being a technician, there was, there was some interesting situations. I'd, um, I remember I was working with a couple of guys one time, and there was a, a place that we, we had to get to, a, to a, make a connection. And they elected me to go in to do it because I was the smallest and I could crawl into this crawl space. And I'm like, gee, thanks a lot, you know. And I only took the bare minimum of tools with me, whatever I could, like, stick in my pocket or shove in my my, um, sweatshirt pocket. And um, just a flashlight because it was a dark area. And I'm thinking, what am I going to find when I get in there? Like, somebody's... uh, house pets, that, yeah. <laughs> rodents you, you never knew, um, things like that. And, I, you know, I, I had a couple other situations. Where, I mean, I would call. If there was a situ- situation that wasn't safe, I would call my foreman and I'd say, look, I need some help on this. And he knew that I didn't call just because I was lazy. He knew that there was a reason I would call. And um, some of some of the guys I worked with, they knew that too, but there were a few times I'd meet someone from another group, work group, and they were like, what are you calling about? And I'm like, well, you look at this situation, you tell me you think it's safe. Because that was always the bottom line with the phone companies. It had to be a safe, you had to be doing things safely. So I, that was where I drew the line. It's like, if I'm going to get hurt on something, I'm calling so somebody can be here to call 911. Because I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to be laying there hurt.
1: Right. But um, I feel like that's appropriate. Yeah.
0: But I, I don't, and I didn't ever try to jeopardize anybody else, and I didn't ever try to pass off some crappy job to somebody else. I mean, I had my share of of unpleasant situations. Um, I remember the basically when I was a technician, um, I would be going to customers' homes or a business and either installing or repairing a a line. And as I was doing that longer, I was um, trained to do these, they had these special lines and they were uh, a computer line that was shared with a voice line. They called it ISDN. And so I was trained with that, which was sort of interesting because then I got to go to more businesses than just residences. But there were a lot of people that had residential lines in their homes um, that was when a lot of companies were starting working at home, and then that you think about that now, that's commonplace. But yeah. back then, it really wasn't. And anybody that would have a work line in their house was usually um, professional—a doctor, a lawyer, you know, a city or a government employee. They might have a special line, and so. I I was happy that I was trained in that. And it it wasn't that it was such an elite job because it was still old school. You still had to to physically connect things. But it was interesting and it was good training. And, uh, you know, I was happy I had learned it. And there was so much more always on the horizon with the phone company. They kept changing and changing and changing. And when cellular came in, you know, all the cell phones. You know, if you could have got a job working on cell phones, you you know, you might have been happy, but then even that, as they progress all this, you know, they have all this new material or new way of doing things, all of a sudden they're not gonna need as many people. So that gets to the, when I was gonna retire, when I wanted to retire, they were offering, you know, chance to leave and get like a bonus to leave. Well, there were so many people that had more time than I, and I had over 30 years, but some of the guys I worked with had almost 40 years of uh, having been there. And you know they can still do the work but it's like you know if they're going to give me an extra bump of money to leave yeah I'll take that and, and retire. I'm sure it wasn't a
1: couple bucks. Yeah so yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was a exactly. pretty hefty sum. Yeah. So it was it,
0: it was a I was fortunate it was a good time and I finally was one of the names that got chosen because I I bet there was six months that I kept putting in every month I put in for this uh, retirement and I would be one or two names short, you know, so finally I got to go and it was in that March of that year. So, you know, it, it is a big change all of a sudden to be retired and it's like, yeah, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And But just, I think that maybe even grandpa said that too, you miss the people you worked with. I mean, there were some people. It's like if I never saw them again. Oh well, yeah. and I never wished I bad f- on them. It's just like yeah, bye bye. That's you how know. I feel
1: about some high school people. Right,
0: yeah. right. So in any event, you know, but we we had get-togethers, and within the phone company, there were you know there were different work groups. Like I said, when I started out, it was an operator services, and then I was. In that six one one, so that was plant, and then when I retired, I was in like outside plant because I was physically doing the outside work. Um, and we used to, as a group, we used to go out after work and we'd go to a tavern and you know, yeah, maybe you'll eat dinner, maybe you wouldn't eat dinner, but you know, you just hang around with the people you worked with. So if you didn't like them, you weren't going to go. But a lot of times, it was great to be able to be with someone socially. And not, you know, be at work. Mm-hmm. So that was a good thing. Um, there was also the people that belonged to the pioneers and they'd have a... The telephone pioneers of America and they'd have a uh, uh, thing every fall, well, August about, they had a big corn roast. So that that's all they served was corn and, well, and beer. So you'd go to this thing and there'd be... I don't know how many hundred people and I don't know how much corn. Um, Then in the spring, sometimes they'd have a brat fest. So you'd have just brats and beer. And it's like, well, you know, I don't know how much corn can you eat or how much brats can you eat. And uh, I don't think there was ever a concern about how much beer they could drink because they they sure know how to drink beer. And I'm not a big beer drinker. So I think I just, if, if we went to that or if, and they'd also always have something for the kids. So people would bring their kids and they'd be doing stuff for them too. But we would, you know, you go for the socialization. And if I didn't like those people, I wouldn't have gone. So um, there's still a group of people that um, Tom and I meet. We try to go every month and we meet for breakfast. And it's sort of fun to, you know, we all talk about our ailments and, uh, but then there's a lot of people traveling, and the people that are still with us is that's a fortunate thing. We've spent quite a few people that have have gone that are yeah. as young as me, and you know then there's a couple of guys that I used to work with that are in their 90s now. It's like holy cow, you know. So it's it's an interesting scenario that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think. Before the phone company, I worked for a. Orthopedic physician oh, when really. I was young. I didn't know that. Yeah, I was, I don't know, um, probably 19, 20 years old. And I I would, I suppose the correct phraseology terminology was receptionist. And you know, you would check in a patient, have all their information, help them fill out all the paperwork. Because, again, everything was paperwork at that time. We didn't have a lot of computerized things because that was in the mid 70s Um, and then I learned to process insurance so you'd fill out and everything had a code so you'd fill out all this information for all these different patients because they all had different insurances Mm -hmm. and send in the information to them and then we'd get paid from the insurance company to the doctor Um, so I suppose there's a fair amount of bookkeeping with that there was a Another lady in the office, and she did all the transcribing. So the doctors would use a small tape recorder and talk about their patient and what they prescribed or what they, you know, did for the patient or what was going on. If they took X-rays, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then um, this woman would transcribe it all. So she'd sit a good part of the day with like a headset on just typing away and she had an electric typewriter and I'd never heard anybody type as fast as she did and I don't think she made mistakes, so it was Mm -hmm. really remarkable to me. Because I could type, but I really had to watch myself because if I typed too fast, then I knew I was gonna have to retype things because I would get a little carried away. Um, yeah, and there's
1: no exactly delete button with a typewriter. No, and, not the and old
0: typewriters. You used to have these...
1: Did you have whiteout, or how did yeah, that work? Yeah, we had
0: these little... It was a piece of paper. It was whiteout, and you'd put it... You'd go back to what you mistyped and type in the wrong letter so it would cover it up with the whiteout, and then you'd type in the correct letter. Well, sometimes that worked, sometimes it didn't. And the worst thing was some we used to type with carbon paper. So... Now if you typed with carbon paper, now you you had two things to correct. So it got better as things went on. And and I learned, uh, not fast enough, but I learned to have a little more patience with myself when I was doing anything that was on carbon paper or anything that was going in someone's chart, like for permanent record, to, to just take my time. And, you know, if it took me twice as long to type something as it did for this other woman... I can't help that. You know, that was that was just her life. Is that she she knew how to type and she knew how to transcribe and she did a good job. And uh, then there was a third person that worked in the office with us and she was the X-ray technician. And um, she was an interesting girl. She wasn't. She was eh, maybe she could have been about seven eight years older than I. And um, she, she would finagle that I could help her which was sort of funny Uh, helping her would be cleaning the x-ray machine and so we'd have to take all these chemicals and dispose of them and then put new chemicals in and you know check all this stuff out and sometimes it it wasn't the most pleasant job but it was like it was an interesting thing and I think I've always enjoyed um, taking things apart and putting things back together and you know my future at the phone company was the same way it's like you know before i took something apart i sort of paid attention to it and then i'd have to put it back together if you're going to repair something mm-hmm. so but um we had some fun with with uh doing all that and i would help her you know she had, sometimes she'd have to have a patient you know on the x-ray table and they couldn't move well you need a third person in there to like hold the patient still or whatever so but it was uh, it was a good learning experience. I I liked working for the this doctor. Was he was real remarkable. Um, one of the guys was they're both both orthopedic surgeons, and one of the guys um, was um, his specialty, if you want to call it, was hand surgery, and the other one was back surgery, and the guy that did the hand surgery. He he was pretty funny. Um, he always had a little sports car, and he came in one morning and he was all excited. He goes, "Look at these pictures!" and he's showing me pictures of this man's hand that he fixed. Well, the before and after pictures, it was like looking at a pound of ground beef and then this hand that's all put back together with yeah. you know the sutures on it. But it's like that was that guy's hand. You know, it was it was just remarkable, and then um, his car, I'm trying to remember what he even had, Alfa Romeo he had, it was stick shift, well he needed us to go pick up his car, well the other woman, the x-ray technician didn't know how to drive stick shift, but I did, So so we go down to pick up his car, and I'm driving back on the expressway, and I was... You know, here I'm driving this car that was worth more money than I'd ever make. And um, I'm next, I'm on the expressway, and I'm next to a semi. And I could see, like, right under the semi, because that's how little this car was. Yeah. And it was just sort of a freaky situation. But, you know, we got back to the doctor's office without getting a scratch on it. But uh, it was interesting, because it's like nobody ever handed me the keys to this, you know. At the time, it was probably I don't know a thirty-five thousand dollar car, and I'm like, wow, you know. So it was it was sort of fun that way. Um, before that, what was my job? Oh, I worked. I, I was. They don't like to be called waitresses anymore, but I was a waitress. What do
1: they, they, they call now?
0: Well, now they call everybody a server or whatever. Oh, you know, really? they, you know right. they don't like. I I don't know. And I'm never try to offend anybody. It's a waiter or a waitress. If I yes. didn't realize I was a
1: had a bad connotation. You no, know,
0: they make it sound so bad. I, they've they put so many, you know, there's so much stigma. They put so many names and labels on everything, and it's just like you know what? If you want to be called a server, a server to me was an altar boy. But that's a <laughs> that's my Catholic upbringing. Yeah. But, uh, they had just built right next to Brookfield Square it was a Marriott Hotel and uh, I think now it could be a Sheraton I, I don't know how many times it's changed but that's where I worked for uh, Breakfast the Breakfast group and uh, there was a, another girl named Chris her and I became fast friends and we we like worked, we worked hard and I would. I wasn't a stellar waitress but I don't think I ever like spilled hot coffee on anybody or screwed up too badly I just you know if I made tips I made tips and there was a couple of older women that were like professional waitresses yeah. so they came in with their hair done <clears throat> their nails done this full makeup and that I'm lucky that I had my hair in a Ponytail that it wasn't hanging all over the place. <laughs> I mean, what? To, how old were you? Yeah, I was like eighteen, nineteen. Okay. You know? So, I mean, it, it was it was funny, but it wasn't. But um, so at the Marriott, there's a motel uh, next to it. So there were so many people there that you met. I mean, I worked in obviously with the kitchen. There was all the kitchen people. Um, they had an Irish theme at the motel at the time, and they. This guy came from Ireland and his name was Brendan, whatever, and he wasn't that much taller than I was. He was this little guy, but everybody would just swoon over him because he had this Irish accent. And oh, Brendan this and Brendan that, and I'm like, you know, he's a nice guy, but get over it, lady. He's not, you know, he's he's not interested in you, you know. Yeah. And in any event. the cook in the kitchen was also Irish, and I remember her sending me to the bar, I need a, I need a pitcher of whiskey. I'm like, what are you making with whiskey? Well, she was making herself happy with the whiskey. She might have put it in something, but I think she was drinking more of it than anything. And it was just sort of funny because she was a really nice lady. But if she was angry at you, you better watch out. And she always seemed to have one of those large metal spoons in her hand. And she had no problem whacking at somebody with that spoon. (laughs) And it's like...
1: You got a, I, you ever get a couple letters? No, so. I didn't
0: get in her way. I I'd be on the other side of the counter if I could help it. Yeah. But uh, she was she was a nice enough woman and and I I liked listening to her speak too because she had the heavy brogue and and, and maybe brogue is Scottish, I don't know, but she, her Irish accent was was fun to listen to and she was a very kind woman but when she was and maybe after too much whiskey, I don't know. She, you didn't want to be in her way, so <laughs> but um, we had uh, again, I worked the morning shift, so I'd usually be there from seven till three. Which tips were probably better for the people that worked the night shift or late afternoon into the evening, and um, so they had uh, put up a board on the board they said they needed extra waitresses to work a banquet well when you worked on a banquet you got a set amount of tips it's like they let's say they had a banquet for a you know a company had a a party or a wedding or in the case the few that I worked was it was football season and football teams came in and stayed at the motel Mm -hmm. so Here's, I think it was New York Jets at the time. Here's Joe Namath. And all these no waitresses way. are like, oh, it's Joe Namath. And I'm like, yeah, right. So the, <laughs> me being who I was at the time, I said, I'm going to walk up to him and ask him to kiss me. And I are like, I bet he won't. And I said, well, maybe not, but I'm going to do it anyhow. So I, I walked right up to him and I'm serving something. And I said to him point blank, I said, I bet these women I was going to ask you to kiss me and you'd do it. He goes, no, I'm not going to do it. I said, okay. <laughs> he just walked away. Yeah. But it was sort of funny because they're like, what did he say? I said, well, obviously he said no because did you see him kiss me? Yeah, you know, So we laughed about it. But it's like, I'm trying to remember the other football teams. Like maybe the Chicago Bears were there. I don't remember. But I just remember Namath because this one...
1: Yeah, Namath is huge. Namath in was huge yeah. at the
0: time, and that was before he posed in his pantyhose. So anyhow, <laughs> um, this one of the of the hostesses, she came in all decked out oh, and gosh. and just all this makeup and you know we were laughing as I was like, what did she do? She was wearing like extra support on their brazier or something because she looked crazy and did, was this
1: the day that Namath was there was there, and was there like, some notice like did she know that he oh was yeah she that? knew that they
0: were there and she yeah. came in like I'm like if you're trying to turn the guy's head you're going to give him whiplash because he's going to look at you and just probably start laughing so <laughs> but um then I remember working on the banquet for the team so they would serve this football team a meal before they'd go play a game. And they obviously were playing at county stadium, so that's why they were in the Milwaukee area. So you'd go to this banquet and they'd put nine plates on a tray. And they all had a cover on them, so you'd carry out this tray and put it down and then serve. There was probably a table of eight or nine guys at the table. Some of these guys were eating like two-inch steaks some of them were eating a whole plate of like pasta. You know, so it was either like a big carb-loaded thing or a big protein. It yeah. was really crazy because I'm like, this guys eating pancakes. What the yeah, hell, you it's know? It's whatever they wanted. Exactly. Think, yeah. And it was whatever they needed for their for their diet for the, you know. And obviously no liquor or anything, although I think they were having some, but uh, what do I know? Yeah. But it it was an it was fun cuz you know, it was and I remember telling my, I think I told my dad, I said, yeah, I met Joan Ameth today. And he goes, really? And I'm like, yeah. I said, he didn't want to kiss me, though, Dad. And my dad's like, what? And I said, well, I asked him to kiss me. He goes, you did not. I said, yeah, I did. You know, so it was sort of a joke. But uh, in any event, um, you know, i I remember... I, it was one of those jobs, you know, As and I, I'm not putting it down about being a, a server or a waitress or anything. People have made great careers of it, and if you if that fits into your life and that works for you, great. I looked at myself and I thought, I can't do this for the rest of my life. Um, so one of those Saturday mornings, a restaurant was filling up with all the families that were staying, because they used to have these weekend deals where you could stay at the motel and there was a swimming pool, and all the kids would you know have a good time. Right. yeah. And the woman that was our hostess at that very day, she didn't have a clue what she was doing. And we hadn't been busy because a lot of times on a Saturday morning, People wouldn't come down early in the morning. A weekday, if you had business guests, they'd all be in that restaurant by <coughs> 7, 7.30 and want to be out because they had a meeting to go to or whatever else they were doing at that day. So these families would come sauntering in and it's, you know, nine o'clock and she had sent a bunch of the waitresses on break. and I. I said, you know, you should call and get those waitresses back up here because we're getting busy. And she just kept seating people at all my tables. And I'm <laughs> like, I can't only take care of so many. Right, yeah. And there was me and a, there was another waitress on the other side of the of the restaurant. She's doing the same thing to her. And I went in the kitchen and they had these coffee pots. And I'm not, I don't think I'm wrong that they were like a 50-gallon coffee pot. So you'd make probably three pounds of coffee and then 50 gallons of water you know and that would automatically go and then you know you just fill it up and we had all these big you know crafts that we'd fill up and take to tables etc etc well I went in the kitchen there's no coffee made I've got about six tables they all want coffee you know Oh gosh. and some other manager comes sauntering in and they had some people didn't belong in that business and he was another one of them. He was from actually the motel side of the house, so he really wasn't familiar with the restaurant. But because he was a manager, he was in charge that day. And he goes, What's the big problem here? You got people waiting. I said, Do you see any coffee made? And there's like two or three coffee urns, and they were all oh, empty. And he, he starts yelling at me. I said, You know what? No. I said, I'm not the one that let all these other waitresses go on their break. I said, I'm not the one that set all these customers. I said, I'm not the one that let all this coffee, you know, not be made. Because that was the thing. Is, as a waitress, you were supposed to be following through and doing things. Um, after a while, they used to have people take care of the coffee. And so the waitresses didn't have to bother. Right, it yeah. Um, but they also, yeah, right. Like and that, they had yeah. the... The people in the salad. Because we used to make our own salad sometimes. Well, then they finally decided to have someone making all the salads. So they'd have them all prepared for you and everything else. But this guy just goes all over me. And I said, you know what? I said, I got an, I got an answer for this problem. He goes, what's that? I says, I quit. I took off my waitress uh, apron and I handed it to him. I said, and tell so-and-so you know, that she's going to have to take care of these customers herself. And he couldn't believe that I quit. And then when I walked out the kitchen, I went to the basement, and that's where our lockers were, and I got my coat and everything, and the other waitresses were like, where are you going? I said, I just quit. I said, it's a shitstorm up there, yeah. so you can go up there and see for that's yourself. Fun, yeah. I said, it's been nice knowing you. I said, and if I got any tips, you can, you know, yeah, well, I don't I don't think I ever heard from anybody there again. And it, But it was just like, bad management is that my problem yeah i don't think so so no and it's not that i minded um serving people being a waitress i i had fun with it i i enjoyed i enjoyed meeting people i think i always you know maybe i wasn't always on my best um day especially because i was young i i mean i'd go out and close the bars till 2 in the morning, and then have to get up at 6 and go to work. (laughs) It's like, you know, some days it just wasn't easy, but I did it. Um, Because the drinking age had changed the year I turned 18, so I could drink at 18. So you got Um,
1: grandfathered in? Yeah.
0: But um, in any event, you know, then I from there I moved on to that doctor's office. And when I got that job at that doctor's office, I was really happy. And I don't know that I ever would have pursued a medical-type career, but I did enjoy it. Um, and on that, too, I was... You were with people, and they weren't always, you know, they were patients. They Some of them had big problems. Other ones didn't have big problems. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just the maybe the socialization of it or the needing to help people or whatever I was doing. So, um I don't know. Prior to that, I was in high school, and when I was in high school, um, I probably did my share of babysitting. I probably started babysitting when I was 12 or 13. Um, But we had a paper route. Now, my brothers all had the paper route, and then it sort of got handed down to me. So I'm in high school, I'm doing this paper route, and we delivered newspapers at the Old County Hospital. And there were two, actually two hospitals. One was the new building, one was the old building. And so you just walk through the halls calling out, and it was the afternoon paper, so it was the journal. So you'd just call out journal, and if they wanted a newspaper, they'd flag you down and give you a dime, because that's how much it cost at the time, and you'd give them a paper. So it was was a fun job. That, too, was interesting. Um, Again, seeing all these... um, not only you know hospital and some of the people you couldn't go in their rooms because they had big problems and all that but you know i'd see my share of people with a broken leg or a broken arm or um other you know medic you didn't know what their medical problem was but you know you were all over the place um there were a lot of nice nurses and doctors i met there was this um they used to have the sheriffs wander through the building all the time, and there was this one sheriff that looked like a, a famous actor, and I can't remember the guy's name anymore. But it was just sort of funny because my sister and I used to joke around. I said, "Oh, did you see the sheriff so and so?" You know that because he, whoever he looked like, I don't know. We just, we just laughed about it. It would be like if, if you had met someone who looked like Tom Hanks or met someone who looked like somebody famous, you know. But so but there were, there were a lot of good people at the hospital too. Um, there, was, there was a man that we befriended, and he worked in the morgue, and he was sort of, the first time I met him, I'm just like, not sure, because he had this goofy smile on his face, and he, yeah. he was literally like rubbing his hands together, and it's like, what are you doing? You know, like, are you, you know, is that just a nervous habit or whatever? But he was one of the nicest people I think I've met at the hospital. And um, he was, if I was like 16, 17, he was probably late 20s, early 30s. And I think we were still there. We found out he got engaged and got married, which we just never figured he would because he was a mortician. But yet, I mean, that was a good job. Yeah. you know and, and it's not everybody's job you know uh-huh. and he would say some things sometimes that were sort of like sort of creepy but not they were funny you know I but you know you're young and you're like is he serious you know it just I don't know um, I'm trying to think of what else happened the uh, yeah the hospital was that was a, a another eye-opening experience on Sunday mornings when they delivered the newspapers, the papers had to be put together because they came in two separate packages. It was like one was all the ads and everything, mm-hmm. and then the other part of it was all the news that they had just printed, you know, whatever had happened that night before it was locally, and they had just printed it all. So you'd have to, they called it subbing the papers, so you had to put them together. And the papers, excuse me, the papers would be so thick and so heavy So we would find a wheelchair, and they were these big old wooden wheelchairs, and we'd stack the newspapers on them and then pull this wheelchair through the halls, you know, selling the newspapers. And it was sort of, you know, people were like, what are you doing with that wheelchair? I'm like, well, I can't carry, because the papers, you know, 10 papers might weigh, like, 10 pounds, and you could only carry 10 papers. This way I could carry 40 papers, you know, so... It was, it was sort of funny. And then we would have um, uh, papers that we'd leave at the front. They had a uh, desk, they called it the information desk. You'd check in and see if you could find your, whoever you were going to see. And they'd sell newspapers there. And uh, the women that were at that front desk were always really good about watching to make sure people didn't steal the papers for, you know, they were really nice people. So there was a lot of interesting folks we met at the hospital. And, um, you know, we were talking about that last night. That's when you could smoke. So you'd be walking to this hospital, and it's like, here's the doctor and the nurses all standing around because they had a nursing station on each floor, usually on each end of the floor. And they'd all be standing around smoking, and it's, like, crazy. You know, if you think about it now, it's like you would never smoke in a hospital. And it didn't phase any of them, and they had oxygen machines, and they, had, you know, and that's the only time where I think they ever had a no smoking sign, is if somebody had oxygen, that they, you know, and that's when they'd physically bring in this this equipment and you know use for a patient. But now all that stuff was built into the walls, like they just had to plug in a hose, and they'd have oxygen right out of the wall. So it's it that's all changed dramatically too. So. But, it, it, you know, all these different things when I was growing up were so different. Um, the, uh, and the county grounds were so big. It was, now when you go there, of course, it's all Freighter and all the, all the new buildings, but there were so many old buildings there. They were really cool buildings. They had um, a building that they used to house people that were, like, very poor And they called it the infirmary. And it was this huge, long building. And all that separated each bed was like a curtain. So some of these folks who had no money, that's where they lived. And there were a couple of times, and it's not a happy thing, um, somebody would walk out of the infirmary and walk out the building. And they didn't have, like, any kind of alarms or anything on them. Yeah. So they and they were allowed usually to walk outside during the day. Well, a couple of times, middle of winter, middle of the night, some old guy or some old woman walked outside, and they found them the next day, and it was really sad. You know, that that's how they died. You know that, yeah. and it was it was things like that that like sort of woke you up about life. Um, the you know the reality of it. It's like well why wasn't somebody paying attention, but at the same time, if there's 50 or 75 people in this one big long hall, you know, I'm sure they checked on them, but maybe somebody missed something, so it, it, was, it was sad, it was too bad. Um, and then they had a, the place where they'd bury all these poor souls, they called it the Potter's Field, and I do not even know when they, Redid all that, um, changed all those buildings, ripped down the buildings. I don't know what they did with all those, you know, grave sites. If they dug them up, moved them, I've, I can't oh, remember. Gosh. Yeah, it's well. That was the big thing too. If you go down east into Milwaukee, the expressway goes through that cemetery. So one half of the expressway, you know, on one side is the, the cemetery, and the so other. You're telling there, me yeah. they had to move graves? Yeah. They, oh, yeah. So that's it's, so bad. And that's. That's part of the reason I don't think that they're widening the expressway down there is because they can't, you know, there's too many yeah. legalities or, or... I mean, it would just be a hassle. Yeah. But, you know, if you went through that those cemeteries, even the one where my relatives are, some of those graves are from the 1860s. Yeah. It's crazy. It's like, okay... Is there a family still attached to this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I'm not trying to be morbid. It's just, well, no, you know, I mean, it's, and, a reality, though. it's a reality. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to disrespect anybody, but it's like, okay, if they've been dead a hundred and some years, right? And, uh, Is the kid going to visit their great, 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 great
1: grandma? Like, yeah. You know.
0: So it. I mean, in all respects, what do you do? I mean, and that's where sometimes all of our systems all this legality all the you know if you want to say the politics of it it, it gets crazy that uh, people are so overly concerned about hurting someone's feelings in a sense or you know doing the wrong thing I you know there are times I you know I'm not... Always a hundred percent. I know I've said things or, or made comments to people, and I don't, I don't think I've ever tried to be malicious. I, you know, but it's not the right thing to say. And so nowadays, if you look at somebody wrong, they want to sue you. Yeah, I was say, gonna say you
1: yeah. you've. I've kind of already seen a trend in my life where it seems like people are taking more offense to things than ever Mm -hmm. before do you think like throughout your life you've kind of seen that oh i've seen
0: that and i i mean and i don't know um tvs uh tv shows i should say so archie bunker if you ever watched all in the family they won't say a lot of those things that that man would say and you know at the time it was it was all pretty funny and that uh, man who developed that program, that Norman Lear, I don't know if he's still alive, but he's like probably 100 years old now if he is still alive. He was, it was like cutting edge that he would, you know, have some of the subjects in those shows that he talked about. And, you know, um, they, they would say things and they would probably seem so disrespectful to, you know, like certain, you know, groups. But other times it's like, You know, Archie Bunker would call his son-in-law, you know, Polak. Or, you know, the other one was Meathead. Well, okay, are you offending meat if you say Meathead? But, you know, I was called a Polak when I was younger, and I didn't care for that. Um, And the thing is, it's like, as growing up, it's not like we had a lot of Polish traditions that we followed. I mean, there were some things that we did, but not a lot of them. I mean, there were people that I know when I was in high school that they really followed a lot of Polish uh, traditions or their Irish traditions or their Italian traditions and they spoke those languages at home and it just it was sort of freaky because it's like you know I, the name calling and that still goes on now the yeah. name calling and, and people come up with these clever things to say and it's like you know it's not that clever. It's just, you know, it's an insult. There are a lot of times when people say something and, I don't know, I, I know in my younger years I would react to a lot of things really quickly. And other times I'm just, I just am so shocked by what somebody might say or do that I don't, I don't have a response. And so it makes me look like I'm either accepting or thinking what they did was okay. Like and you that's, said earlier you know, today, like yeah. if you don't
1: say anything, it's... Sometimes people think you agree with it. Right,
0: right. And that's not always the truth. It, it, you know, I mean, I know I've done things in my life for the shock value, just to see what reaction I would get, whether it was out of my parents or, you know, a friend, a boyfriend, a husband. This is like, that's just not always the way to go. Um, And other times it's like you... As a parent, I know I've done things with shock value for my kids just to wake them up, like "Hey, yeah. pay attention." Sometimes it
1: is, it is nice. Like, right. Sometimes I can't. Maybe I can't gauge a person on a particular topic very well, mm-hmm. and I know asking a certain question, I think will push them over the edge. Right. But it'll just be enough where I can see, it'll reveal my, it'll reveal themselves in front of me. Like, sure. oh, that's how you feel about right. that topic. Right. You know? and sometimes I think it is valuable.
0: Yeah. And it's—I mean—it's like the way the world's changed since when I was younger till now. I—I I, I don't know. I—I'm astounded. There's other things that's like, wow, that's the same. And I—I yeah. can't put my finger on anything exactly at this moment. Um, there are there are many things that are really troubling. Um, you know, you get to the point. You know, Grandpa and I—we don't watch the news half the time because it's like all you're hearing about is someone shooting somebody somebody with road rage right. somebody stealing ripping somebody off finding and yep. like if you're so smart as to know how to to do something on a computer why aren't you so smart as to get yourself a job and I, that's a horrible uh analogy but then again that's you know am i entitled to my opinion i sort of think i am i mean i know Again, the work I did, the jobs I did, they weren't always the easiest job. They weren't always the best job. They weren't my favorite job. But when I was working, I attempted to do, be there, show up on time. You know, the I can't get over when I hear stories, especially with this last several years about COVID, that people, oh, I have COVID, so I'm not going to work. I'm like, yeah, really? I, you know, and. Is that the truth or isn't it the truth? And who am I to judge?
1: You know people abuse it, though. Oh, Certainly,
0: certainly. And the other other thing you constantly hear is, oh, it's a supply chain issue. It's like, really? Is it maybe just somebody was too lazy to do their job? And and again, I'm not trying to be judgmental. I imagine that there's things that are happening. This latest, it, it astounds me to no end. A dozen eggs cost five dollars like, well, what i might as well buy a chicken you know yeah and then that's my neighbor has chickens it's like i know this time of year they don't lay as many eggs but but the crazy thing is it's like why is everything so expensive and i i look at it a lot of it as just corporate greed but and again my opinion so it may or may not be the truth um
1: i don't know yeah i don't know. i haven't heard the full story on that if Is there bird flu running rampant? Well, that's what they're
0: talking about, avian flu. And I'm thinking, well, then why isn't there not a big shortage of of chicken meat? Because it doesn't seem like there is. But even the price of that's gone up exponentially. And it's like, oh, come on. And like today, earlier in today, here's the grocery store, a buck and a half for broccoli. Well, you know, that's not horrible. And, you know, again, as a kid... This was a time of year, January, February, where citrus was a big deal. It was really exciting that you we were going to get some fresh grapefruit or fresh oranges or whatever from Florida, because this was a time of year that they were going to harvest all that stuff. And now every time you turn around, oh, we're having a freeze in Florida, well, then they just jack up the prices. Now, whether or not the the fruit is all bad or not, you'd never know. No. And... You know, and and when I was a kid, it used to take a couple of weeks for that fruit to get here. Now they can get it here in hours. So it's like, don't tell me that this is always the, how it's going. So, I mean, I I was looking at something earlier for myself online. I had ordered something, and they they said track your package. So I look at, the package was in Elm Grove, and all of a sudden now the package is in California. It's like why. <laughs> If it was in Elm Grove, I live in New Berlin. It should have been here the next day or the same day. Yeah. Why is it in California? Makes no sense to me. All and, it takes is one person yeah. send it down the wrong way. Yeah. You know? And then you know, the, then they want to help you, so they're like, "We see you're looking at this. Can we answer your question?" I'm like, yeah. Why is my package in California? <laughs> I'm just a virtual assistant. You need to reword yeah. your question. I'm like, no, you need to get a human on here, yeah. and I'm done. And I, I don't play with that. It's just it, it, all it does is aggravate me. And I don't know that that's a sign of my age. It's just like it's just plain stupid. Um, no, it is. I don't. It, know.
1: They're trying to save money. Mm-hmm.
0: And just- yeah, and, and they give you some song and dance about how our our system does this. And I'm like, well, your system is wrong. So, right. I you know there are times it's like common sense just went out the window um well
1: it goes back to again what you were saying with the whole manual versus computer sure. of things like
0: yeah.
1: I just I really think some things should stay how they are you know yeah. I think customer service I think almost everyone can agree they'd rather talk to a real person because
0: right. well and, and I mean the only jobs if you come right down to thinking about it so you know you went to a restaurant today and you have this nice young man he's your waiter and if he screwed up or didn't give you something or something was wrong you could at least say hey uh, you know you forgot to give us this or we could use more of this or thank you for you know whatever and you you're get that instant response which is what everybody wants everyone wants an instant response gratification or what have you but you know that's one of the few jobs where you actually face to face with the person that's doing something for you I mean this other stuff you know it's like you you're clicking on a computer screen and you what's on the other end of it well most of the time it's not even a human and it's like well you know can't you put a human on here no obviously they can't same with calling in customer service it I I understand some of the automated things, but other stuff, it's like, no, I really need to talk to somebody, because I can't ask the question I need to ask, because you don't understand it, right. and it, it's mind-boggling, and that goes back to my history of working, so when I was in the phone company, it's like I I did that information job, and someone would ask you a question, and you give them an answer, and... And when I was in the repair job, someone would tell you their problem, and you, you know, make an arrangement to get the problem fixed. And and as face to face as a technician, it's like you're right there. And it wasn't. There was many times when it wasn't a pleasant experience being face to face with people because they, some of them were very happy to see you, and other ones were like, oh. Couldn't they send a technician? Because I was a woman, they didn't think I was a technician. And I'm like, well, you know, I'll, I'll get someone here tomorrow. And then all of a sudden, they were okay with that. They want, they would, you know, let me do my work. So, but um, yeah, it, it's it's difficult. I mean, I know there are jobs that you never meet the person that does something for you or that completes something for you. But you know, there's other times it's like. Where are we going? You know? Right. So, well,
1: I, I, I've i thought about this a lot too. Like, will my kids ever even know what a cashier is? Right. Like, I, I mean, you walk into Walmart and all these big corporations, and I've talked about this on another episode, but I think the only reason why there are still cashiers, well, you think to yourself, it would just make sense if they made them all self-checkouts. Mm-hmm. But why aren't they? I think it's because... You know, people. People like my parents or you know I, older yeah. generations. I just, I just think it comes down to the fact that they're maybe uncomfortable using a self checkout yeah. or they don't want to use it because they've lived their whole lives with the cashier. But I, I think right. as you know, those those people start to you know get older and fade out. I, I think.
0: Well, it, it's interesting because so is, yeah. so are
1: the cashiers. You
0: yeah, know? I've we've used it. I'm not fond of it. I won't use it if I don't have to. And there's been times, Grandpa and I have waited in line, and we'll have like three items, and we wait in line. And, and I've had the people at either the grocery store or wherever I am, well, you can self-check. I said, no, I can't. And they look at me, well, I can help you. I said, if you're going to help me, then you should open another cashier. Yeah, I, I and,
1: agree. I, I'm, I'm fine with the face-to-face. Yeah,
0: But they think it's because I can't do it. I said, I'm retired. If you're going to pay me... $15 an hour, and I made up some ridiculous amount of money, and this was years ago. So I said, $15 an hour, and you're going to pay me benefits and health insurance and a 401k. I'll go use that self checkout. And they look at me like I'm an idiot. And I'm like, get away from me and open another lane here, yeah. you know? I, and then that was, well, we can't hire anybody. Maybe they can't. It just astounds me when they say they can't hire anybody, but I think. You know, I don't know. Is it that there's such a lack of a work ethic? I, it's not that I'm such a great person or anything, but there are times that I know that uh, that many immigrants were doing the jobs that the people in America didn't want to do, and yeah. uh, you know, especially like in healthcare. I didn't. You know, having having had the maybe uh, an idea about if I would be a nurse, I'd have to do this, 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 and this. And early on, uh, a lot of my high school friends went into nursing, and they they had to do all the things that people now don't want to do. That so they had to assist their patient, and it might meaning help them in the bathroom, right. and that's very personal. I don't care who you are, um, you know giving them medications, learning how to draw blood, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you're right there, you're touching that person. There's some people that just don't like to be touched. I mean, I, I don't if I needed help when I was in the hospital and I needed help in the bathroom, I mean, I wasn't really thrilled about it, but it's like, yeah, let's go and and uh, you got to get these things done. And I mean, it's not a job for everybody, and I wouldn't blame anybody for saying, no, I don't wanna do that job, but if it ends up being part of your, like for a nurse, it would end up being part of your degree. Nowadays, I know the nurses are still learning those things, but a lot of times they're not doing them, then now they've hired on these people, these um, nursing assistants, if you will. And I don't care who you are or what you think, a lot of folks don't—they don't get paid enough for the things that they have to do because they are doing all these kinds of things that are very personal, and it's—it's it's the grunt work. It—you it, know—they're cleaning up a mess that somebody might have made, whether they were, you know, vomiting or whatever. Other parts are coming out. You know, they have to clean all that stuff up and take care of that person and not treat that person like, oh, you dumbass! You know, why didn't you call us earlier that you had to go to the bathroom? Well. Sometimes it, they just have, don't have the control. They have, to, they have to have the help. And, I mean, heaven help me that I'm ever going to need that much help in my life. I really hope I don't. But it could happen. I mean, it could have happened to me earlier this year, and I, yeah. I was very fortunate. So it, it's just something, again, it's one of those jobs that that's where you sort of have hands-on, you know. It's, you're face-to-face face with that person. Um, and the situation changes in a, in a minute. Um, it's not always the same situation. So, but um, yeah, it, I mean, I think all my, you know, different life experiences, I, you know, I can't complain. It was like when I used to babysit when I was a kid, I was pretty young when I used to babysit and I was sort of excited. I had this family I babysit for. Now I'm going back to my jobs. I had this family I babysit for, and um, they had three boys. And the one, the older boy was just like, they were all very smart, but the older boy was real book smart and real, you know, like he would talk to me. I'm like, how old are you? Because you sound like you're talking at this college level, you know, and I was probably a freshman, maybe a sophomore in high school. And then the middle boy was, uh, sort of a little prankster and he reminds me of one of my grandsons and then the youngest boy was constantly playing on well I'm the baby of the family type of thing and right. he was constantly like causing trouble just for the attention it's like you shouldn't have to do that because you know and I, I again I was just a babysitter I would attempt to treat them all you know equally and and I think I tried to learn like what I I could say to them to make them want to do what I wanted them to do. You know, you, it's time to go to sleep, so let's do this. Well, can we read a book? I said, Well we can read one book, you know, and then they'd want to have another book and another book and I'm like, Okay, well we read two books now, so now we're done, you know, and and sometimes it would work and other times it wouldn't. And I thought the worst thing is is that the parents were gonna come home and this kid would still be awake and it'd be like nine or ten o'clock at night, you know. And I didn't want their parents to be upset with me, but it's like they knew their own kids, so it wasn't a horrible thing. Um, but I, when as I, I I was still babysitting, I think, like I say, when I was a senior in high school, that family, the mom and dad were going to go away for a weekend, so they left me for a whole weekend with their kids, and I was like, wow, you know, and they paid me a you know, bunch of money, and I'm like, okay, you know, and... I was very nervous about it, and my, and even my mom, she's like, are you sure you want to do that? And I'm like, well, you don't live that far away, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so And it worked out, everything, you know. But, um, it. I mean, it was a good experience. It was, and I, you know, my family, I came from a large family, so it wasn't horrible that there were these three little boys, you know, it was sort of interesting, so, Um. And they weren't my children, and I knew at the end of the night I got to go home, and they get to stay there. Right. So, yeah. You live here, and I'm going home. So, but they, you know, I mean, all those things. I, um, that job uh, when, when I was um, in grade school, and that I was in Girl Scouts. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. And there were so many kids in Girl Scouts. I remember trying to sell cookies when we had to sell Girl Scout cookies. There were so many kids that I couldn't even go to any of the neighbors because they had already bought cookies from whoever else was lived on our block. And it was like, this is ridiculous. You yeah. know? Um, things like that. Um, I never, I don't think I was a good salesperson in that respect. I didn't, no, you know. I, I wasn't I've i never been it's like do you want to cook do you want to buy cookies or not okay bye you know yeah. i didn't push the issue and there were some kids that were just oh you've got to buy cookies for me i've got to make this goal yeah, like, i always oh, just okay.
1: feel so uncomfortable doing yeah because yeah. i know if i was in that person's shoes i wouldn't want to be pushed right like that.
0: right and i i remember when my kids were younger and then they were you know they were having these things at school that they had to to do and i'm like you know what I say, what do you need? And I would, and it's not that I was extremely wealthy, but it's like your dad and I will buy this stuff, and you know, you don't have to. They would ask my my sisters or my brothers, or you know, because that would happen too. That my brothers or sisters, shoulder my nieces and nephews would be selling something, and we'd get tagged to buy something. So that coming from a big family, that sort of worked out in that respect. Yeah. But, um, you know, it it was almost expected. And, I mean, nowadays it's like if if Rachel's uh, boys are going to sell something, I'm like, just here, here's this money, and I don't care if you buy products or not, just donate it to their cause you right, know, yeah. and their school or whatever they're doing. And, you know, that works out just as well. Because I don't need... Wrapping paper or candies or you know magnets or you know I don't need that stuff. Just here, take the money and have a good time. So, mm-hmm. but you know and thankfully, I I can afford to do things like that. It's like for some of these folks, it's like those kids need to sell this stuff because otherwise the school has nothing or what have you. And so I guess we're doing okay that way.
1: Yeah, so I wanted yeah I wanted to ask you about. When you were in, I don't know, junior high or high school, like, kind of navigating or picking a career, like, were you, I mean, back then I feel like it it wasn't, it wasn't like it is today with college where it's almost, for me and like for my, for my sisters, it was, and for almost the whole high school, it's kind of like the norm to go to college after high school. It's like turning into the natural progression of education now. Right, right.
0: Well, then that's just it. It was was always, um, so I went to uh, parochial school, so K through, actually I was in kindergarten when we lived in Missouri, and then when we moved back to Milwaukee I was in first grade, so I went to eighth grade in the the same school. And then high school was ninth through twelfth, and that was also a, a parochial high school. Oh what? Yeah, and my parochial high school was all-girl high school. And my brothers went to all-boy high school.
1: What does that mean? What was the word you said? Parochial? Parochial. What is that?
0: Parochial is either a Catholic or a Lutheran or whatever, religious. It's a religious... So like a non-secular school. But um, most of the girls in my high school were probably Catholic. Um,
1: But it wasn't like a strict...
0: well we we no no it wasn't as far as i know i and and uh earlier on i mean I, i sometimes i was so naive to some of this stuff but earlier on it's like i never paid attention I don't ever recall that my classmates didn't because sometimes we'd have a school mass, so everyone would go to mass together. Uh-huh. I don't remember that any of my classmates didn't go to that, but
1: right was um, was that just in the school, or yeah, would you have to go somewhere yeah, else? Yeah, we for had that?
0: a chapel in our in our okay, and that wasn't huge. Well, the building was four stories. And on the fourth floor was the gymnasium, if you can imagine. Why would you put a gymnasium on the fourth floor? But that's where it was. So the basement had um, the cafeteria and in the hallways were lockers. And then the first floor was all classrooms. Um, I don't know if there was any lockers on the first floor. There were lockers on the, maybe the second and the third floors. And then on the, on the first floor, you, there was an entrance to this auditorium, and the third floor was where the chapel was. So then, above the auditorium was the chapel, and it wasn't huge. But we, when we had an all-school mass, we'd go to the auditorium, so everyone would be in there, and then they'd set up the, the altar and everything for the priest on the up on the stage. But um, the and the nuns lived on the fourth floor also. So one part of it was the gymnasium and the other part was the, where the nuns all had their rooms. And then there was a separate building. It was, it could have been like a, a duplex, but I think it was a one family, could have been a duplex that they trained, made into like a one family and all the nuns lived there too. So, it you know, it was interesting because we had a gymnasium and they had showers and none of us ever took a shower after gym class because we weren't gonna, we weren't going to do that. You just quick change back into your uniform after you took off your gym clothes and then you went back to class. It's like we never sweated that much to worry about that. Yeah. And nowadays it's like now they got to take showers. I remember Rachel telling me she had, she goes, they made us take showers. And I'm like, well, I, you know. She goes, well, that teacher was so weird she kept staring at me. I'm <laughs> thinking, oh, oh I wouldn't have liked that yeah. at all, you know. And then, um, but the, I, going to the, the all-girls school, I mean, there was only 115 in my graduating class. So this, the population of the school kept going down. I think when I was a freshman, there was probably over 600 girls in that school. And by the time I graduated, there was probably less than 400. Okay. And then the school closed the year after I graduated. And it was really sort of sad because we had one of the nuns. She was... Interesting, she was a a very intelligent woman but people didn't like to give her any kind of credit and she went to one of the the home and school board meetings when all the parents were there and she told them, she goes, this school will close if you people don't do something about this. And the next year it closed because there was just all this infighting about monies and everything else and it was just sort of sad. I don't know where sometimes they got the funding. I mean, we all paid tuition, but for every year I was in high school, I got, I had a job in the school, and that couldn't cover my whole tuition. And so I know we paid some tuition, but nothing like... Like nowadays, kids in parochial schools are paying in high school, I think, over... Two or three thousand dollars for a year for tuition—that's crazy. I think I paid three hundred or four hundred, and that was a lot of money, you know, fifty years ago. So, in any event, um, you know, we—you know—you got all your books. We had to wear uniforms, um, which didn't trouble me um, because I didn't have a lot of like big wardrobe of clothes when I was a kid. I mean, you know, with ten kids, it's like who the heck could afford all that? It's just hand me you know? downs probably a lot of hand
1: Well, hands. and it
0: was funny because my I have an older sister, but she's ten years older than I. So between her and me there was five boys. Well I was probably wearing boys clothes a lot when I was a little kid, but then yeah. as I got into, you know, school or something, but I, I remember wearing the uniform and I know I had a pair of shoes for the gym. And you couldn't wear your gym shoes out on the street. They didn't want that. They, You had to wear them only in the gymnasium because they were real finicky about those floors that cost a lot of money to, to keep those floors lit as good as they could. And then I had a pair of, like, dress shoes, and that was about it. And I might have had an old pair of tennis shoes if they still would fit me that I could wear outside. But, I mean, when kids are growing, it's like you can't, you know, not have shoes that fit, so... And as I got older, you know, when I got into babysitting or something, if I wanted something, you know, my mom and dad would say, well, you know, you've got some money, you can go buy it. And so that would happen. And But I was very frugal with my money also because I would, as much as you might want to buy something that was trendy, I was always looking at it thinking, well, if I buy this, then it's only going to, you know, look good with these outfits or I can only wear it here, whereas if I buy this, it's more, you know, general, you know, yeah. and, and things like that. Um, I remember after I graduated from high school, I remember wearing one of my I don't know which brothers it was. It was an old, like, blazer, but it was a wool blazer. It was blue. and I wore that thing to death, but I loved it because it had an inside pocket because men's coats always have inside pockets. Women's were no. more fitted. And, yeah. You know, so it was... I thought it was the coolest thing because, you know, I'd wear it with jeans or I'd wear it with dress pants and sometimes I'd wear a blouse with it or a nice sweater or something. But it just... I, I loved it. So it was just one of those things. And it, you know, was I trendy before it was trendy? I don't know. I didn't care. I just liked it. So that's why I wore it. So. Right.
1: I've really learned that over the years. High school, I'd always look at, you know, oh, what are... What are other kids wearing just mm-hmm. to kind of fit in? But now it's kind of like, I don't know, it, it's almost another another aspect to harness my creativity. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, no, I don't really care what anyone else is yeah. wearing. You know, I, if I like it, it's all sure. that matters. I was at, the, do you know Rogan's? Yes. The shoe store. Yes. Yeah. And I had to get some dress shoes for interviews, but Rogan's has this i don't i don't i think all rogan's have this to buy one get the next pair 50 okay. percent off if you buy the two pairs so it's kind of just sifting through the cheap rack see if i could make use of the deal and mm-hmm. i i like stumbled upon some really cool looking penny loafers and no no one my age wears penny loafers yeah. especially like i think it's more common for for women i'd say too these days at least but i came home with it i was like i like them so i Went home and my dad's like, oh yeah, my I think my my uncle would, would wear penny loafers all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna wear them because I like them. You Did
0: know, you put was, pennies in them or not?
1: No, my I think it was yeah. I think it was my dad saying you can put it in that little yeah. slot and
0: I, I, didn't, I used to put but, dimes <laughs> in mine. I had a pair that were penny. loafers. Is that how they
1: got named that? Because people would do that. Yeah, or, yeah. Maybe I, I should do that. Yeah. I don't know. Put and some old pennies, like wheat wheat pennies, in. There well, or that or, or
0: put brand shiny, brand new ones in. But yeah. I put dimes in mine, and I remember being somewhere, and I don't know whose house we were at. It was in, probably in high school, and they're like, "You got to take your shoes off," and some clown was trying to take the dimes out of my shoes, and I'm like, "What are you it's doing?" Twenty you know, cents, yeah. But it was just yeah. oh you know they these they were these kids, and they you know that. When when we went to the parish, we went to it was a it was a fluent parish in Wawatosa and but we weren't. I mean, we had ten kids in our family, and you know we lived on the east side of Wauwatosa, which wasn't where all the rich kids lived. And a lot of the kids in my classes were, their dad was a judge, or their dad was a doctor, or their dad was a lawyer or a dentist. And it's like, yeah, okay. Well, my dad was a chemical engineer, and that was a great job, but when you have ten children, it's a little different than if you're a doctor and you have four kids, you know. Or oh, yeah. And right. my mom worked outside the home eventually. She had, she was, uh, her major, I guess, if you want to call it that, in college was music and probably gearing toward business. She she had a good business sense to her. And um, so eventually, I remember when we, when I was, in my later uh, grade school years, she got a job as a substitute teacher for the city of Milwaukee. They would call at 7 o'clock in the morning and tell her which school to report to. No
1: warning? Or did she no. know that she was going to be working that?
0: She might, they might call her, they might not call her. So, But can you imagine they call you at 7 in the morning and you've got this house full of kids. you got to get off to school and my dad to go to work. And... Um, She could be going anywhere, because we lived in Tulsa. She might be going all the way out to the northwest side or down to the east side. It was north division, is way down on north and, um, or if it's Center Street, I can't remember. It's east of the river. Or she might be going to the south side of Milwaukee. Uh, So she she could be going anywhere. And she'd have to be there by like eight o'clock. Well, that didn't always fly. Um, some of my siblings were older. My brothers were already in high school, so they would either, I don't think any of them ever took the bus because they went down Wisconsin Avenue to go to Marquette High School. I think they hitchhiked. And um, then we all went, to, we're still in grade school. So my dad would drop us off on his way to work, and we'd walk about a half a mile into this pathway to the school and everything, but um, And then she'd be on her way to go wherever she had to go. And then my younger sister and my younger brother weren't in school yet, so she'd take them to my grandparents' house. And I remember my brother would be out with my grandpa out in the garage, and (laughs) he, grandpa would give my brother a hammer and a board and a, a glass jar full of nails, and then he'd pound all these nails into this board. And then after lunch, he'd take the nails out of the board. That was what they were doing out in the garage. It was just sort of funny. What's but the point of that? Just because he wanted to keep the kid busy, you know. Oh, so he yeah. wasn't in my grandma's way, because my, I don't know. But, because um, I it, I think it, my grandparents, it probably was a shock to them. So my dad was an only child, and now he's got 10 kids, you know. Right. So it's, I don't know.
1: That's quite the... A,
0: a, quite a difference, you yeah. know. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, how was how was that with you growing up with what you said you had nine other siblings? Is yeah, that yeah. Like, I, how was how yeah. was that experience? Well,
0: um, so my folks lived in a couple of different places, and then my my dad was this chemical engineer, and he worked for Schlitz, and I don't know exactly what his job title was. I just remember him telling me at one point that. He worked on the machines that cleaned the bottles because they used to have a machine. So your beer bottles or your soda bottles or whatever, they'd recycle them, but Mm. they wouldn't recycle them. They'd clean them and reuse them. So you'd buy a case of beer and you might pay a nickel deposit on all those bottles. And when you took the case of beer back, you'd get your money back. But if you broke a bottle, you wouldn't get that nickel, you know. Mm So then they take the bottles back to the breweries. The breweries would clean them and maybe, they'd probably have to put new labels on them and then fill them up with beer, whatever they were filling them up with, and reuse them. Hmm. So it was sort of cool. I mean, nowadays you think, why don't they do something like that? No, everything gets thrown in a landfill and or over recycling it. But recycling isn't, it just didn't pan out like I think they needed it to. Um, but in any event, um, my so my you know, my mom would go <coughs> to work part time or there were times she worked every day of the week. And and again, if she was at a school that was way far away, it would take her a while to get home. So coming home at night then she'd have to fix dinner, you know, now you got all these kids to feed and everything else. And my older brothers had jobs, so they had the paper routed, like I said, it kept getting passed down. So they were doing the paper route. Um, My older sister worked, she was in college, but she worked downtown at the old uh, Gimbel Schuster's. Um, Then uh, I, well, again, I would babysit, but I I don't know that I was babysitting that much at that time. Um, So we, when, when I was about three, my dad worked for Schlitz. They transferred my dad down to Kansas City, Missouri. So we lived down there for three years. Really? And we lived okay, in. This, I didn't know that. I think it was this huge house, but I mean, I'm three years old. Cause. You think
1: everything is so big? Yeah. I've noticed that as you grow and up. And yeah.
0: I, I remember because we moved back here when I was six, and so I just remember this house was huge, and my sister and I would, we'd always be barefoot. I don't know why we just we never wore shoes on us. It wasn't that we didn't have them; we just didn't wear shoes. You know, in the middle of the summer, you didn't care. I remember running in my underwear in the front lawn when the sprinkler was going because you know we were cooling off because it was hot. But we we'd put on our dress-up clothes and go down this staircase, which again seemed like it was you know five hundred stairs, but it was probably about twenty. And we'd go down, and they were cement, so we'd go down the stairs and then go down the block to play with the the neighbor girls. Well, it never failed. We'd get all the way down to the bottom of the stairs, and we're barefoot. So my sister or I would stub our toes. So now it's bleeding all over the place. So now you're crying and having this fit. So you go all the way back up the stairs, and by the time you get back up there, it's not bleeding anymore. you know. And my mother would be like, you girls wear shoes. No, we don't want to wear shoes. So we would go play dress-up with the neighbor lady or the neighbor girls and that and there was a neighbor lady that was really nice to us and we'd always go visit her and um our our driveway our garage i kept i don't know why i thought it was a two-car garage but grandpa and i went back when we went on a road trip about i don't know 2012 or 2013 we went back to that house and it's only a one-car garage and it's street level but the house was up above it. So, you know, you'd pull in on the street and you were in the basement in the garage and then you'd walk up into the house. So, but I, if, uh, for whatever I thought, it was like a two car garage, but it was only a one car garage. So it was sort of weird to see it. Cause I, I just, I said, Tom, this house doesn't look the same. You know, again, when you're a kid, everything looks so big. So, but the neighbor lady had this really cool Chevy And Grandpa knows all these years of Chevy's, but it was I don't know, maybe a fifty-seven Chevy. And it had on the back of it, it looked like a tire. They called it the Continental Kit. So the hood or the trunk looked like it had a tire in it, which it did. It had like its spare tire, but it was the outline of the of the tire. And her car was this really freaky, like violet, purple, and white. So Again, I'm 5 6 years old and this lady had this car. So when we moved back to Milwaukee, this car pulls up in front of our house and i go running in the house, "Mom, Mrs. Quinn is here cuz I see her car out front." And my mom's like, "No, honey, she can't be here cuz she lives in Missouri, you know." Well, it was the exact same car. You know, what do I know? I'm 6 years old. So, but the corner we lived on and uh in Wisconsin Avenue, we had a mailbox, a bus stop, and a fire hydrant. And, you know, my mom would always say, yeah, in case there's a fire, we don't have to go far if, you know, the fire hydrant's right there. And, I mean, the bus was handy because then as I got older and I would take the bus to high school, it was right there,
1: mm-hmm. you know. And yeah.
0: the worst thing about living in that house was the bus traffic. All the, In the morning, those buses ran every seven minutes from like 6 in the morning till about 9 in the morning, and then maybe from 3.30 till 7 at night, like rush hour in the morning and the afternoon, and the pounding of that bus, because they were full, because that that bus route went up to the county hospital, and all these people were going to work at the county hospital. Um, So then the buses, the ambulances... And, I mean, all, every other traffic in the world. Wisconsin Avenue was a very busy street at mm-hmm. the time. So that was, like, one of the worst things about living in that location. But, I mean, some of the best of it. I mean, there was some, it, it, was, it was a neat place to grow up and everything. We didn't live too far from um, Gillis's Custard is over on Blue Mound Roads. We'd walk over there, and we'd get a gallon of custard, and they used to give you a free pint of hot fudge, so you'd get a gallon of custard while well, everyone would get some, and then that gallon was gone because we yeah. all have some. know, yeah, it, it was crazy. And um, what else would we do? Uh, George Webb's, and I don't know how often you kids ever went to George Webb's. There's a few still in, around here. Um, they used to have seven hamburgers for a buck.
1: Jeez. and that, were they sliders? They, no,
0: they were a regular sized hamburger. Jeez. It was the Milwaukee Journal comic section was called the green sheet, and it was green paper. Mm-hmm. And they'd have a coupon in the green sheet for seven burgers for a buck. So sometimes they'd they'd let my mom get fourteen burgers. Other times they were real strict. Now you can only buy seven. You know, so sometimes she'd have to get the extra coupon from a neighbor or something. But she'd go in there and, for $2, buy 14 hamburgers, you know. And my brothers would probably eat two or three each, you know. And so, you know, if we all got one, that was a good thing. But it was just sort of funny to think about stuff like that. Because, yeah. you know, feeding that family all the time. I mean, she could stretch a pound of ground beef a long way. Right. And, uh, But, um, yeah, when we moved back from Missouri to Milwaukee um we stayed at my grandparents house and so here we are my grandma and grandpa and they only had you know my grandpa was my my dad was their only child so their house was only like a two-bedroom house and we all slept up in the attic and i remember sleeping up in the attic with in one bed with my two of my sisters and then i don't know where my other sister was sleeping and my brothers were probably sleeping on the floor. I mean, it was it was crazy. And we were there for probably a couple, three weeks. And then my dad found the house on Wisconsin Avenue. And then we moved there. I remember, because they would drive us to school, because we were going to this school. And uh, we were, uh, my mom would say to my brothers, now you make sure to, that you don't leave Christine behind. Because I was in first grade, so I didn't know where the hell I was going. So they'd... they'd um, We'd be walking, and I'm like, oh, who's going to pick us up from school? No, you're just going to walk home. I'm like, walk home all the way to, because you know, my grandparents' house was probably a good three miles away. Well, we're walking home, and my mom's standing on the corner where we were going to live, and she's waiting for us. And she goes, this is where we're going to live. You know, and it was this huge house, but it really wasn't that big. It still yeah, was only, only a uh, three-bedroom house. So okay. my brothers all slept in the attic and the attic didn't have any heat to it. So in the middle of winter, it was cold up there. Yeah, you know? bring your
1: blankets. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And, um, but it was like a dormitory because it was you know the, the pitched roof and there was the five beds up there. And then my brother, John, was my youngest brother. He slept in, um, they called it a three-quarter size bed. So it wasn't a full bed and it wasn't a twin bed, it was in between. So they slept in that bed. My parents' bedroom was huge. So they slept in the one end of the bedroom and my folks were on the other end. And then my other two sisters and I slept in one room and my older sister had her own. Um, I should say that different. I slept in the bedroom with my one sister and then my older sister had her own room. Um, But so one night my sister and my brother were jumping on the bed and you heard this loud crash and we go upstairs and you guys are going to be in so much trouble, you know. Well, here the bed had collapsed, and it was a mattress and springs. It they, they didn't have a box spring. It was just loose springs, but the frame was like came apart, and the bed's on an angle. I think my dad left that thing like that for like three weeks because he wouldn't fix it because <laughs> he was so mad that they were jumping on the bed. And then uh, after he fixed it, he says, if you jump on the bed again, you're not going to have a bed. I'm going to take it away completely. You know? So things like that. Just... There it was. There was a a lot of things going on at the house. A lot. Um,
1: Always something to do. I'm yeah, sure. You yeah,
0: have... I remember playing. I mean, I played basketball. I was going to say my...
1: you could run full fives at that. Yeah, rate.
0: we played basketball with my brothers, but they played like tackle kill basketball because they they had no mercy. I mean, yeah. I wasn't a big person, and I could shoot pretty well, but it's like they they were just all over me. And I we used to play softball. But we had to be careful because. If you hit the ball over the fence, we, for a while we had this one neighbor. It was like you—that's lo- it. The ball's gone. You're never going to get it back. Was, you know?
1: was the neighbor uh, not and not friendless? not very plen- yeah. pleasant?
0: Yeah. And then we had another neighbor, or the, they moved out, and then the people that moved in had two of their own children, so they were okay. But that that little neighbor boy, <laughs> I think he became a professional arsonist because he started several <laughs> garages in the neighborhood on fire. It's like, are you kidding me? But. Um, yeah, my um, brother lived in my, in our house, my folks' house, um, till about five years ago Then he sold it, but he had remodeled it, or not really remodeled, but renovated it, and it had beautiful hardwood floors, it had really dark cabinetry, and when he um, changed the dining room, because it had a built-in um, buffet and everything, I... I told Grandpa, I said, I want some of that wood from the house. So that's what he made with this liquor cabinet. These two doors are from the original buffet. Now there was these two doors were on one side of the buffet, and there were two more on the other side. And in the middle, I think there was, I don't know if there was nine or 12 drawers. And then some of the, on that cabinet in there that Grandpa made, he took the drawer fronts and he planed them down and got this color stain off of it, and then he made... Um, that little, um, it's, it's like a dresser. He made one for Rachel and one for me and one for Rebecca. So that's what I have out of my folks house. Um, I mean, there was, it was unbelievable all that, you know, the, the hard work my brother put into it, but it was really pretty, the hardwood floors and everything. Um, but it was old plaster walls and, um, we never had air conditioning we had radiator heat and the whole time i lived there we never had a shower it was just a bathtub and there was a there was, there was one bathroom for 10 kids and my parents and then there was a powder room and um for a couple of years i think my grandfather had tried to set up a shower in the basement but that didn't last very long because it got to be it it just didn't you know work out well so it was, it, you know, it was interesting. But I mean, the things you do when you're in that kind of situation, you know, um, you just learn to live with what you've got. Right. You know, and and I mean, it's long before. I mean, all the demands of anything. Um, I can't even remember if they, if we even had a window air conditioner at any one time or not. If anybody had that, I don't think so because. Like many old houses, it's not like you had an electrical outlet handy. And, you know, I know the wiring in the house was redone when my brother remodeled it and that, but, um, you know, there was just so many things, so.
1: Yeah, as you, as you talk about this, I'm thinking, you know, you you grow up, like, playing with brothers and, like, <clears throat> and then I some of the stories you told me earlier with, you know, I think to the Joe Namath mm-hmm. where the girl dressed up all pretty sure. or whatever, yeah. you know, and your, your career was being what people call linesman. Like mm-hmm. It's in the name. Like, it's, yeah. you know, it was always... Back then, it was, like, I feel like kind of unheard of for a woman to go into that. Yeah. Like, do you think... Growing up with brothers helped you kind of break out of those constructs that society seemed to
0: well some align of it and, and women I mean, typically yeah, some of that and that. I mean earlier on, like I said, I'm in, in high school and I have a paper route and I'm like, What? You know, everyone would say, You have a paper route and I'm like, Well, you know, it just kept being handed because it when you had a paper route, you had to like buy that route.
1: Mm. That's
0: how the, the journal operated. You you bought that like property of that route, and I don't know how my, I don't know how my brothers or my dad got into the one at the hospital. Yeah. Hospital was a big route because there was a possibility of X number of patients every day that could be in the hospital. You could deliver newspapers to, and at the time there were people that lived on the county grounds and houses. Um, I Grandpa maybe mentioned that his uncle lived there. In one of those houses because he worked for the county so they had a building that the sheriff's department owned and i don't know if the uh if the head sheriff lived there or not but i mean they had uh different um executives that worked for the hospital and they had nice houses they were like ranch style they were new compared to the old buildings and everything so you had people like you would be delivering these newspapers to they were all living on that county grounds. But you you paid so much for those newspapers every day because we delivered seven days a week. And then if you didn't sell papers, you returned them and you got credit for them. So if you had uh, 150 papers a day that you were trying to sell and you only sold 120, well then you'd return 30 and get credit for 30. But there were days we'd sell 150 papers, and if we would have had more, we would have sold more. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it just depended. Um, there and then there was always the well, conflict, if you will, of you know if someone stole papers because we would have that happen. Some of the doctors would oh I put some money in there and they'd drop a few pennies in instead of what it was worth, you know. Especially on a Sunday, the paper. I remember when the paper went from. A quarter to 35 cents you'd think you were cutting somebody's arm off because it went up a dime and yeah. like, you know I didn't raise the no price you know. That, you know so but I mean we there were just as many good people I mean that there, there were a lot of times you know, i some of the folks would, you know give you tips and everything and that was sort of fun um, but it was you know it was one of those things so I here had this paper out so when I was in high school I couldn't participate in high school things because I had to get this paper out. So, And we had a car only because of the paper out. So my brothers got to have this car. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we would have been taking the bus from and my high school on the south side of Milwaukee. And so I had, would have had to take the bus all the way out to the hospital and then deliver the newspapers. And then, you know, so, I mean, it worked out. It was nice to have the car. But then there was that, um, responsibility of that because like oh now you got to pay car insurance and you have to put gas in the car and all this kind of stuff and so you you were sort of taught at an early age you know the, these are your responsibilities um, right. but again it's like you know so I sort of had this boy's job then and then you know I was at the phone company for a while and I, I don't know I think maybe grandpa's the one that encouraged me to, to take the job as an you know, outside technician and I you know, I thought, I, you know, I just don't know. And it's not that I was a, a real star athlete, but I always thought I was a little more athletic than a lot of women I knew. Because many times when I was a kid, <laughs> I got caught uh, climbing on the neighbor's garage roofs and or one time the neighbors were, we had a whole lot of kids in our neighborhood and one of the families was on vacation and I was in their plum tree up about 25 feet picking plums and they came home and oh my goodness, you would have thought that I killed their cat or something (laughs) because first of all, and nowadays you get that. The insurance liability, if I would have fallen out of that tree in their property, then they would have been responsible and all. But as a kid, you don't, I wanted to plumb, you yeah. know, and I'm, I'm the one stupid enough to climb up there, and you know. So we would do all sorts of stuff like that. And we'd in the summer, we didn't live too far from the public school, so in the summer they had a summer playground activity thing. You know, eight, nine in the morning, we'd be gone. We'd be gone all day at the playground, you know. My, you know, Someone would say, where is so-and-so? Oh, they're at the playground, you know, and they'd have softball leagues that we all belong to they would have crafts and all that kind of stuff and um just hanging out you know and yeah if you ate lunch you ate lunch but sometimes I didn't go home for lunch you know you would just be at the playground all day so you know and you're constantly they had they had a jungle gym and for a while they took it out because too many kids were getting hurt on it and then I think they put it back in and then they made sure that they put whatever kind of cushioning underneath of it but um you know, we were always doing stuff. There was, like, tetherball or volleyball, like I say, softball. And um, if you didn't have a glove, it didn't matter. Someone else would have one and they'd share. And the kids weren't like they are now, like, oh, that's mine, you can't touch it. They, right. You know, they were just, like, more than willing because they wanted to have a game. They wanted to have a team and, you know, let's all play. So that was sometimes nice to be, it was inclusive that way. It was nice to be, you know... I know there was times where it's like, well, I don't want this person on my team because they can't play well or they don't run well or whatever. And it's like, who cares? Just, you know, so. Uh, And I remember this one kid was just a smart aleck when he was saying something about this girl. She didn't run fast. I said... Well, if you hit a home run, it ain't going to matter how fast, you know, as long as she gets to the home base before you do. You just can't pass her up, you know, type like that. If she gets on base and you hit a home run, she just has to run in front of you, you know, stuff like that. So it was interesting that way. But, I mean, and there were a lot of times um, as a young kid, it's like I didn't fit into, like I said, this... At, at grade school because there were a lot of wealthy kids and, you know we weren't wealthy but we still went to that grade school and i again i don't know how my folks did it because they had to pay tuition and i don't know it, it just it just makes you wonder and yeah i mean nowadays it's like i say the cost of everything is just so crazy um and i'm i'm still one of these people that's looking for a deal and it's not that i I mean, I've paid for things that it's like, wow, this is way more than I want to pay for it, and I've done that, but I still try to be reasonable. Well, you know, like, do I really need this item or what have you? I'm I'm not going to deny myself, you know, my basic needs, or I'm not one of those people that's so worried about the cost of something like, well, I won't buy my medication. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. that crazy, but... Uh, I still just you you just it may be in shock about the cost of things and and it, it's surprising so but yeah gr- yeah growing up the way I did I yeah with five older brothers I was I was probably a little more hardened to this stuff but my one of my younger sisters well, both my younger sisters are are you know they weren't afraid of athletics Monica really she was a really good athlete. Um, and my brother, my younger brother John, was a good athlete. He actually—it was sort of bizarre. He tried out for the Brewers, but he wasn't young. He was in his thirties, and I'm like, "What are you nuts?" You know. And he goes, "Well, they're offering trials, so I'm going to do it." Yeah. And he got might as well so take advantage. he got so far into it, and you know, he might have, but. You know, when you're smoking how many packs of cigarettes a day, maybe you don't run as well as you should, you yeah. know, and and things like that. So, in any event, uh, obviously he's not a professional baseball player at this time in his life. But still, it was just like, I give him credit for trying. And um, most of my older brothers, I, it's, it's interesting because my one brother that's tall, he's, I don't think he's athletic at all, and... I'm like, why don't you play basketball? Because you're tall enough, and you know, someone would throw the ball at him, and he'd probably flinch. And it's like, okay, you know, I guess that's just not your sport, yeah. you know. But he could sing very well. Um, my other brother was at, was athletic, but not extreme amount. But he could sit down at a piano, and you put music in front of him, and he could play it, even if he had never seen it before. It was just remarkable, you know. So it's living with that many people you know there's all these different talents if you will Um, finding my own like career if you will um, I can't say I didn't want I didn't not want to go to college but there wasn't a lot of encouragement about me going to college and I think you know why didn't I push it and yeah. I was I was um, meeting people and I was seeing this one guy and he goes you should just come with me to, to school and I'm like what am I going to do he goes well you can audit the class I'm like I don't even know what the hell that meant that's one but, thing I
1: was going to ask right yeah.
0: and and I don't know why if I ever did it I can't remember what he was studying he goes well you you know you just sit there you don't have to worry about anything and I said well aren't they going to ask who I am and he goes no, that people audit classes all the time, you know. So I, I didn't ever pursue that as much as you know I should. And when I was working at the phone company, I could have gone, had I had more time, gone to college or taking college classes. And if you reached a certain um, grade level, if you will, if you made a C grade or a B minus grade or something, they'd pay for your tuition. My sister did that because she, she worked at the phone company, too, and she got her degree. It took her X number of years, but she got her degree, and yeah. they paid all her tuition. She went to Marquette, and it's like, you know, that, that's pretty cool. And I, it was something that I, I didn't, and one of those oh, dumbass, you didn't pursue that. Um, even at the phone company, they had a, a program, and it was a technical program. And you would go on a Friday and a Saturday and a Sunday to these classes, like for three, three days. It was every other week. And that meant you had to get time off work, so you had to be allowed to work um, Sunday through Thursday, so you'd have off Friday, Saturday, and the following Sunday and go to the schooling. And there were a lot of hard feelings because some of these other people, everything was by seniority and, and when you have a union shop, seniority is a big deal. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. It's like if you started at a place on a certain date and someone started afterward after you, yeah, you have the seniority. You've been there longer. That makes sense. But some of these guys would just have a fit because there was a couple of people that I worked with that were in this program and at one point they couldn't get the hours that they were supposed to get, so they still let them have off on the Friday so they could go to this school. And uh, you know, then the foreman gets all the the heat from all these these people because they're like, "Why are you letting this guy off?" And he says, "I have to because it's in your union contract," you know. And so it was it was one of those games you had to play. But I could have gotten uh, you know a degree through. Whoever I went to school with, but the phone company would have paid for it, had I, you know, taken the time, put in the work. And I just, I, didn't, I never pursued it. Yeah. I mean, I could have taken up basket weaving, you know. It, they didn't care what you took. You put in for so many credits, and we'll pay you, you know, pay your tuition and everything else. So, but I, And at this time in my life, I'm like, yeah, I should go to college. I'm like, no, I, don't, I just can't see myself doing that. I yeah. mean... I've learned i I've, I've learned many many things in my life and it's not that I'm uh, not book smart I just there are times I'm reading something I'm like this makes no sense to me you know my latest is my um, arguments if you want to call them that that I have with technology and it it you know it gets so frustrating it's sometimes it's the simplest things whether it's the cell phone or the computer it's like what are you telling me you know it comes up with these you know problems and it's like no this this doesn't make any sense so then i literally just stop what i'm doing and turn it off and stop because i it just gets too frustrating
1: right. and eventually
0: i'll go back to something i'm like oh okay now i get it
1: look at it you second know time. Yeah. yeah and it
0: and I mean, it's not everything. There there are many times I go back to something and I, was, I still don't get it. So if you... And, and it's one of those things. I need more patience with myself, if you will. But, um, you know, there's... Um, I mean, there's other things to do. You know, if I wanted to go to, like, WCTC or MATC and take, like, any kind of technical courses or something fun to do, you know. Yeah. Um, even they had... I don't know if they still do, uh, they used to have things like at the Y, you know, you could do things at the Y that were somewhat school-oriented and things like that. Well, I know so. at
1: UW-Madison, my first semester there, I took this class called History of Science, it okay. spanned like, probably like 2,000 years of science in <clears throat> a semester, and yeah, with, I think, I don't know if it's with all classes, but I'm 100% sure with certain classes, if, I think, I don't know, if you might have to be a certain age, but you can just walk into any lecture and sign up for any class without a grade, and you can just go in for free and mm-hmm. just check it out. Sure. So I had a couple, I think I had one, a uh, couple weeks I had, you know, once you get your spot in lecture, you kind of just, everyone kind of just knows that's mm-hmm. kind of your that's spot. That's yours, right? Yeah, but a couple of weeks for the, a while, there's like a... Probably like a 65 year old dude and 70 year old dude next to me, and we were just talking about history and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And he was like, Yeah, oh, just come here for free. The university is fine. of it. So it's, yeah. it's really cool. But well, yeah. It,
0: yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't have a lot of deep conversations with uh, younger people about different things in history, but I, I, again, I was just at a family situation. I was talking to one of my Maybe one of my cousins, and we were talking about something historical, and it was just sort of bizarre because, you know, if you talk to you know uh, your cousin, or even you or your sisters, it's like if I mention the Kennedy assassination, you're like, well, you know, that's 16 years ago, you know, and yet for me, it's like it was like yesterday. Right. I remember I was in gym class when they announced over the loudspeaker that the President of the United States had just died. And I don't know, I, I'm i nine years old, and all these girls start crying, and I'm like, did you know him? I mean, yeah. like it's like they had this personal, and I, I just thought that was a little overboard. I mean, I was sad, it's the President of the United States, but I don't think I was gonna cry about it, and I don't think I was unfeeling about it, but it was just such a, to me, it was such a weird reaction that they would, you know, go so far as that, and I mean, just all sorts of other things, like when they walked on the moon. It's just like phenomenal, and you were glued to the TV if you had one. That you know to see. Um, I remember again. Here's my grandparents. Their neighbor had a color TV, and there was going to be something on the Wonderful World of Disney in color, and and the woman offered to let us grandchildren come over there and watch whatever this program was. I can't even remember what it was going to be. And, and, you know, we were just enthralled to see actually a TV that had color on it because everything we ever watched was black and white. And Mm. I don't even, I think we had one TV when I was a kid and that, you know. And what you were watching was what my dad was watching and that was it. There was no discussion. Like, Dad, can we watch? No, I'm watching this show and if you don't like it, get out of here type of thing and you know that's the way of the world Yeah. Um, but I st- and honestly we didn't as we got older we didn't have more than one TV it's like act for what it was worth you know my brothers would be working or I'd I'd be working I'd be somewhere else if I was babysitting I watched watch TV where I was babysitting but I it didn't become that important to have TV you know it was just you know, it was a good thing to relax, too. Um, I remember trying to stay up and around the corner watching. Like, my dad always watched Johnny Carson at 1030 at night. It was after the news. And I remember trying to watch Johnny Carson. And if he caught wind, if anybody was still awake, he'd yell at us to get to bed. Because we had school the next day, and it was 1030 at night. You should be yeah. sleeping, you know. But I like to watch Johnny Carson. I can't help myself. It was just so, I don't know. Because some of the stuff you'd say, it's like I didn't fully understand it, but I know everyone was laughing about it, you know. Yeah. So, but
1: um, did you hear? Do you remember hearing anything about Woodstock when you were growing up? Oh gosh, that, yeah, yeah. That, that was, well, was that a pretty big thing. That was
0: I would have been um, freshman in high school. Yeah, when Woodstock happened, and that, I, I just it's like the music was all. That was the other thing. So in your car, you had if you had a radio, it was only an AM radio, and so you know you were limited. There was. Um, I mean, they're
1: not playing Hendrix on the radio, right? They
0: like, they would have been, but only on FM. And you could so how did how did you, how you get an, an FM? You had to have the FM radio, you know, and those were more expensive in a car. I mean, yeah. anytime you bought a car, I mean. Used to be able to go in and say, "Okay, I want this color car, and I, it, whether it's a two door or a four door, and I wanted to have a, a automatic transmission." That was a big deal because other everything was standard stick shift. Right. You know, I and I'm so glad I learned to drive stick shift. I really, I, I mean, I don't know at this point in my life if I'd get a stick shift car on purpose, but I I'm glad I know how to drive it. That's all I can say. Um and then it was, oh, cloth or leather seats. Leather was a big deal. I mean, that, and they were real leather seats. I mean, that was a big deal. Um, then do you want a hard top or do you want a convertible? And, and then it came to this radio. Well, AM radio was. If if a radio was standard, AM was standard. But if you want an FM radio, well, that'll cost you a little more. And if you want air conditioning, it'll cost you a little more. It was just every I little. I mean, do you know
1: how much extra it would be for FM? I, at this at like, this
0: point, I don't know. But yeah. it, I mean, it and the thing about it, if you think about it, it was it's like the radios now. Everything, of course, is all this digital. But that AM/FM radio, I don't know if there was a switch you pushed or what. I can't yeah. remember how it worked. But it, you know, and then when they brought in. Cassette recorder, yeah, and it was the eight tracks. That was the first one that they used to put in, and then they put in the cassettes, and then the you know CDs. But and now you can't even get a car with a CD. And I'm like, geez, you know, there's times I wish I had. I mean, my car still has it, but it's like a new car. I'd want it to have a CD player, so you know. And used to be able to buy a contraption if you had a um if you had a cassette player. They had a contraption you could plug into the cassette player, and it was with a wire, and it was round for a CD, so you could play your CD through the, you know, mm. to the car. It was it was bizarre all the different things that they manufactured over the years, but um, yeah, FM radio. If you you know, all, uh, and and again, it was that was like the uh, I don't know revolution of uh, like marijuana and all. I mean, it was it was sort of crazy. But yeah, when if you heard Jimi Hendrix on the radio, you had to have had been on an FM station. Right. Um You know, sometimes the Beatles they'd play some of the Beatles songs on AM. You know, and some of them they wouldn't play, and it's like, why not? You know, and there were certain songs they would not play on the radio, and it's like, why? And it. um the kinks did that song lola so when they did the song lola um they changed the words because it used to say coca-cola and coca-cola didn't give their permission to the kinks to use that so they weren't going to get any kind of um money for it credit i can't remember the residuals and so they had to change it to cherry cola so if you ever hear it where they say Coca-Cola, you know that, like, that's old-school version. And, it, you know, it's bizarre. I'll, every once in a while, I'll hear something. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, that's this, you know. They used to be so much more strict about language and everything. There were songs that they wouldn't play with the Rolling Stones. It's like, really? You know, I, but, I mean, if you... Any music, I, I, this is my opinion, if any music, if you dig deep enough into it, you're going to find some sort of weird innuendo or what have you, or it might have two meanings, and, and you can offend somebody or what have you. I, I Some of that stuff was so deep, it's like, what are you talking about? And now, most of the times I'm hearing some of these songs, I'm like, what did they say? Because it's like, I don't understand some of their languages and... Not that it's a foreign language, but it's just the verbiage or the words they're using. Like, what are they say, trying to say? And yeah. like, you know, and I, I'm better off not knowing because it, it doesn't ever offend me. But it's just like, yeah, it's probably something I'm, I'm never gonna, you know, <laughs> I'm not gonna get that. So, but, um, I mean, music has changed so much in all these years too. I, it, it um. For a while, when I, had my my car is 10, 12 years old now, when I first got it, it had Sirius radio on it, and I could get all those different stations, and I used to listen to like the most current whatever, and um, I was really liking that, and I'm thinking, you know, I should keep this, and I thought, I don't drive like, you know, when I was working, I was driving all the time, and now I don't drive, and uh, with my personal car, where where am I gonna do that? and if I really, really, really wanted to get you know more back into music, I you know you can go online and probably hear what you want to hear. So, all right. but I mean, some of the new, if you want to call them new, some of the those people, it's like I don't know. I'm I'm sort of finicky, I guess, uh, as it was in my generation with all these bands, if you will. Um, the you know, you know the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and then there the individuals it was you know Elton John or Billy Joel or David Bowie, um, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, the Kinks, the Yardbirds, the Cream, Eric Clapton, you know, all these different people and if you looked at them they're all like almost interchangeable because Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young well he belonged to this group and he belonged to you know and it was all over the place the Beatles were sort of true to themselves. The Rolling Stones were sort of true to themselves. I don't know how many changes there might have been in the Rolling Stones. Um, so, I and I, again, I look at, especially McCartney and Lennon, that they really wrote music. You know, some of these other folks are like, yeah, they're sort of throwing stuff together and maybe it sounds like music, but it to me it's not as musical as, you know, um, Elton John and that Bernie Taupin, they were a good collaboration. Billy Joel, I don't know if he had helped writing any of his lyrics or his music or you know things like that. Um, Carol King, she wrote hundreds of songs. Um, Carly Simon, James Taylor, you know all these all these people, and again, a lot of them were so intertwined. It was it was just interesting. if you liked the music or didn't like the music. Um, there were there were things I didn't like, if you wanna say, catch on to till I was a little older. Um, I remember uh, Quicksilver Messenger Service, all of a sudden there was this song, I really thought it was the greatest song and it was probably three or four years old by the time I caught on to it, so to speak, and I was like, okay, you know, and again, if you weren't listening to the FM radio, st- if you're only on AM, you might not have heard some of this stuff. So, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I've always enjoyed music. I also can go back to when I was a kid. The radio station my mother would listen to, and the different you know, there might be big band or there might be you know whatever you know, and it was just sort of funny because my mom had a degree in music, and she was always interested in music. Um, like I said, my brother could sit down and just play something on the piano, even if he had never seen it before. And I took piano lessons, and I could probably plunk away at something. There are times I wish I had a piano, but I'm like, had eh, something more I'd have to dust, you know? Yeah. But, um, you know, and I, and I had a piano for a while, and then and I had to... to uh, literally get rid of it, um, fortunately. I couldn't move it. It would cost a fortune to move a piano. Um, and I, I couldn't afford to do that at the time in my life, so I had to get rid of it. But, um, you know, uh, my daughters you know, took lessons. Um, she, Rachel took piano, and then they both played violin, and Rebecca plays guitar. So I don't know how often she plays now, but uh you know they they I don't think they were ever gonna be rock musicians or or musician musicians, but i uh yeah I, I'm glad be, you know. they have the the concept of you know and um when uh, my grandson's learning to play this trumpet, he's like, well, I'm not the best I said, well, the thing is if you enjoy what you're doing, like you, you know you, Nobody says you have to be the best you just have to enjoy it and uh-huh. you know so it it'll be interesting. I'd like to hear him I don't know if he'd ever you know do a facetime and and play for me, but you know I'd like to see how he's progressing if he is and I don't want I don't think he'll be allowed if you will to just give up on it. I think that he'll have to stick with it for this year and see what happens but you know it'd be fun to have some sort of music involvement, you know. Um, I know um, my nephew learned to play drums at an early age and I just thought, man, I don't know if I could handle that, but yet I was at my sister's house when he was playing and practicing his drums and it, was, it wasn't it was horrible racket that I thought it was gonna be. It was an enjoyable thing because I, I guess I knew what he was playing with or playing for or whatever. Right. So then, you know, you can catch on more. If he would have just been pounding away, I might not have enjoyed it as much, so. And I've seen him perform a few times, but I don't know if he's performing much anymore either, so. But, um, I don't know, I like music. I, it's not just that I like playing the radio. I mean, I, I like that too, but I... There are times, like I said, I, if I had a piano, I'd probably enjoy that, but not going to happen this week so
1: well yeah one of the kind of closing up here i guess one of the last things i wanted to ask you is how is it how is it being either well both like a parent and a grandparent like how is i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming there's a lot to learn there and
0: well it's it's i can't help but reflect on I don't want to say that they were, you know, the, I don't think I was uh, a horrible parent. It's just like, yeah, I remember I could have done this differently. Right. I don't want to say that they were all mistakes, if you will, but it's like, I eh, could have handled that a little bit yeah, better. Yeah, I mean, you can't be and, perfect right, though, right? And the same thing as a grandparent. It's like, eh, I, could, I could have just kept my mouth shut or, or not gotten too involved and not been been me <laughs> it's um, again, I don't think I'm you know as overbearing as I portray myself in my own head, but there are times it's like man, just let that go and and you know always want to support um, your children your or your grandchildren in the best way you can. I might not always agree with something. You know, somebody's done, one of my kids has done, or my stepkids. But yet, I want to support them in that if they think they're doing what's the best for them at the moment, or what they need at the moment, you know, um, thankfully, none of them have ever been um, jeopardizing themselves, like doing something that's totally, like, what are you doing type of thing that none of them have done anything that uh, lack of a better word crazy it's just that they've been mindful and there and there might be things that they've done that i'll never know about and that's fine that may have been harmful but i i think i've always supported them you know in the best way i could with the grandchildren too i attempt you know, I know that I can be outspoken and, and I'm, I'm not going to give one of these, um, oh, it's out of love. Because, I mean, sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're pissed off and you say things. But by the same token, I I would want that child to understand, you know, hey, did you think about this? Or, or you know, I don't want you to get hurt type of thing, which is, I, you never want your child or your grandchild to get hurt about or anything you know you, you always want to protect them but sometimes they need to make their own mistakes to learn like oh maybe you know and and you don't i don't want to be one of those parents or grandparents that says, see i told you so yeah you know i you know i, I, I let that speak for itself yeah, and, I, yeah i mean i believe me that's come out of my mouth probably with you know your grandpa or with my siblings or something like that. I told you not to do that but I still as I get older you tend to soften up that language and say you know, you know I, I'm always at a loss like I, I wish I could help you out here or what can I do to help you out you know that type of thing um but there are times you can't fix everything um Again, offering support and and being as helpful or or strong for that person as you can. I mean, I think that's what that's what you need to do. Um, you might not always like it. I mean, there's been many times in my life I've done a lot of things I didn't like. They I needed to do them. I didn't want to do them, but I needed to do them and. You know, sometimes I dwell on it's like why did I do that? But other times it's like, Well, I did it and that's it. That's all you can do. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, you know can't complain, like I said, I'm guess I'm glad I'm still here. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: I guess yeah, the last the last question I had to close it out was just is there <clears throat> any lesson or any Phrase or quote or anything that you try to live by on a day-to-day basis after a living for well, as long as you have.
0: I wish I could just pinpoint you know some exact some very uh, uh, I don't know, can't think of my word something very you know magnificent you know type of phraseology, but. Um, Yeah, you know, I, you hate to get too cliché.
1: Yeah. Uh, but sometimes I, the most cliché things are the most true. Yeah. That's what I've found.
0: I, um, I, I think that in my own head, I want to be helping or doing what I should be doing. Um, I mean, not always right, not always wrong, but I, I want to be where I'm supposed to be type of thing. Um, and... If I have an impact on anybody I would want it to be positive. Uh, I know there's times that uh, uh, something I might have said or done hasn't been a positive for somebody but um, usually my intention isn't out of you know meanness or any kind of hate or anything like that. It's uh, I'm maybe a little too frank, a little too uh, in your face or, or too real um, although there are times I know I gloss over things just because I don't want to be as harsh or as, as you know real as I have to be so I don't know I I would I guess I would just want uh, someone to have uh, maybe a, a good opinion or a good thought of me whether I'm standing right in front of them or if I'm gone, you know, right. that, that, uh, yeah, I liked what they said or, well, they didn't like it, but they were who they were right. know, type of thing. So, sure, yeah. so that's that. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I just wanted to thank you for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Hope you had fun. I don't Yeah. Was, was there anything else you wanted to talk about or anything? No,
0: you, I think, I think those, uh, I think we got back as all the jobs I ever had. Yeah. Uh, I think the only last funny little story I might say is that when we were moving back from Missouri to Wisconsin, we here's my mother with my older sister and one of my brothers were already in Milwaukee, and so she's on the train. She's pregnant, and she's got four boys, and my sister and myself, and my younger sister was... Four, so she was probably close to my mom all the time. When I'm out hanging with my brothers, we're on a train. Well, they were jumping from one car to the other and jumping over this coupling device. So if you ever watch these old movies and you see that the physical coupling of the two, two cars together, it moves. It doesn't stay in one position all the time. It's moving come on, you can make it, jump over that. I could have lost a leg if I would have jumped over that, you know. And then I don't know who grabbed me and didn't let me jump. Because I would have probably been between those two cars and been dead, you know. But they they were horsing around. And I just, I, that's one of those early memories. It's like, how do I remember that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, they didn't kill me off that time either. <laughs>
1: there you (laughs) go yeah
0: there you go oh yikes
1: well thank you of course (laughs) this is decent